Hey everyone, welcome to the show. This week's episode is brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. Brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat Flip Flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. To help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries, head over to combatflipflops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today. Be sure to use the code UNITY at checkout and get 25% off. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. Greg Anderson, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm really excited because I've been trying to lock you down for a minute. I started kind of following you a little while ago when, um, well, we run in the same circles and it kind of started to seem like, oh, who's this guy? Oh, this guy is getting reposted. Who's this guy? And then I was like, I started clicking on your stuff. And obviously that's how it happens. And I started to realize not only were you, you know, in the military and multiple deployments, but you're, you were a ranger, you're, you were a police officer, you owner of a jujitsu gym, you embody what most people wish they could have the courage to do like one of those things. Instead, you're like, fuck it, I'm gonna do them all. So I was excited when I got to kind of figure out who you were a little bit. Obviously, social media doesn't tell all of the truth, but I started to listen into your show, the Endless Endeavor podcast. And I started to kind of just to get a feel of who this guy was. I was like, yeah, I need to, we need to talk. (laughs) We need to have a conversation, my friend. No, then that's one of my favorite aspects of Instagram. Like the the internet is a cesspool in a lot of ways, <laughs> Yeah. but and, and brings out and highlights the worst of humanity. But I've connected with a lot of awesome people over the last couple of years and, and created genuine, real friendships that I met with a lot of different people through Instagram. So it's been really cool to watch the, my Instagram blow up and then my life dynamics change as a result of that. But just what you were saying, like, yeah, I was a ranger and then I did military contracting and I was a deputy. I was a police officer. I've done a lot of different stuff in my life. And the reason for that is like, I figure, I feel like I'm only, I enjoy something other than jujitsu. Jujitsu has been a constant the entire time, but I like new challenges. I like to open new chapters of my life and I like to experience new things. And to me, it's strange that our society is kind of we have this unwritten agreement where you become educated in something or you develop a certain skill set. And now you do that for 25 years of your life. And then you go off and you die. And it's like, it never felt right with me. I want to experience new things. And it's like being an army ranger was awesome. And it it helped me grow into who I am today. And it taught me a lot about myself. I got tons of combat deployments and it was a really powerful phase of my life. But I don't want to be one of those guys that looks back on my time as a ranger and that defines me forever. And, and to me, the, the veterans that do that, I actually think that's kind of sad. You see 70 year old men with their Vietnam hats on and they're still living in those times. And uh, <clears throat> that's why I think it's important to always move forward, always 
always have something in front of you, a goal that's challenging you instead of always being fixated on what's in your past. It's interesting that you bring that up too about Vietnam vets, especially in, you know, the older vets, they wear the hats. I do wonder though, for them, if that was, you know, as, as sad as it is, I wonder such a different time, the, the availability for, you know, full rescale change to change literally careers was maybe just not an option. Like back then when those people kind of were coming out, I don't know that they had as many, as many, you know, choices, the internet wasn't really around yet. And so it's interesting to see it now because it, with them, they almost get a pass. It's not like you see someone walking around with like an Afghan vet, which was like one of us within the past 20 years. It's a, that's a different animal with that than, and I feel like it is with Vietnam vets. Cause I'm like, you get a pass. There was no internet. You probably went back to a small town. you probably spit on a ton. Your wife most likely left you. You know, there was, it was just a different time. It was a different thing. And so they get a pass in my books for the Vietnam hat. I'll, I don't feel bad for them. I'm like, you're cool. I like you. I start to see Iraq and Afghanistan. I'm like too early, bro. Well, and that's, that's what kind of made me come to that conclusion. Cause when I was, a, when I was younger and, and you'd see Vietnam veterans, it's like, oh, wow, those guys have been there, done that. That's cool. That's respectable. Right. And it's not until I'm later in life. And now I see my generation cause I'm 41. So I'm not too far past my prime, but I'm past it. Right. Like my days. Of <laughs> oh, running come on. <laughs> well, try, if the revolution happens, I'll get some more running and gunning in. But yeah, right I was going to say, buddy, come on now. For right now, there's a good chance that my days of running and gunning are behind me. And are you I sure about the, that? No, interrupting. No, I'm not, are we sure no, about I'm that? Not sure. Okay. But when I look at, when I look at my peer group and I look at the guys that I served with and the guys I deployed with, a lot of the guys that are just stuck in being a ranger, being a ranger defines them. Everything about them is ranger. And it's like, if you love being a ranger so much, why didn't you stay in the regiment for 20 years? A lot of right. these guys do one enlistment and they get out and then they allow that four year block of time to like basically identify them for the rest of their lives. And once I saw it's not the guys that are motivated to go out there and start businesses or start new careers or like build empires. It's the ones that are usually drinking a ton. They're, they're, they're stuck in their own depressive cycle and they have one thing that they're proud of in their life. And it's that, and it's uh, I, I feel like it's like a dichotomy as is everything in life, right? Because you need to be proud of your past. You need to understand that it helps shape you. And, and you should look back on your, your military service with pride and dignity, but you can't look back on it as something that is the highlight of your life because life, life has to be in front of you. I look at my life right now and I think the best times are yet to come. If you look at your life and think, man, my heydays were 20 years ago. That's like uncle Rico on Napoleon dynamite, you know, yeah, if coach yeah. had just put me in and, it, and it's oh, a yeah. sad thing that we see with a lot of veterans. Oh, it is. And I have, as I say, I have my Ranger panties that I wear sometime Mm -hmm. when I'm working out. And I have a, I have my Ranger coin, you know, I still have some memorabilia that reminds me of those days, but I try and walk that line of like living in the present and focusing on what's important right now, i.e. my family, my health, jujitsu, and, and putting my energy into where it serves me and my community, not just being stuck in the, in, in what I used to be. Yeah. And I can understand that. And I think that's admirable of you to 
to want to do better and want to push forward and want to move on and not move on because of trauma, but move on simply because you believe that you deserve more and that you can do more. And I think that's, I think that's fantastic. And that's kind of when you, is that when you decided to be a cop? So I don't know if you know my whole story yet or not, but I don't know I, I the got whole, fired. whole, whole. I got fired. Oh, no, I know. No, I know that story. You know but that I story? Meant, okay. Oh, yeah. I know. I've watched the video. It, yeah. When that all happened, that was, yeah, I saw it. <laughs> okay. So we can, yeah, we can take it back before that. So, no, I was, <clears throat> I was in the military. I joined in 99 and I was with the regiment until 2003. So I was in the regiment during the transition from peacetime to wartime. And then I did some, uh, I did a bunch of military contracting with very, uh, special ops teams that were put together of Marine recon guys, Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, unit guys. And it was, uh, it was a State Department contract work over in Iraq with special operations personnel. I love Blackwater that people. No, I was with uh, like, my company was called Triple Canopy. Very same, okay. very similar to Blackwater. Blackwater mm -hmm. was just uh, a, a different company, right? But doing right. the sim same similar mission. And uh, I did that for five years. A lot of people got, they, they saw what happened on the internet and there's misconceptions of what was happening with contractors. Contractors by and large were great human beings. They were special operations veterans. They're doing a very similar job. They have the and as they were when they were on active duty, but they were making a substantial amount of more money as well. And so, like, right. who wouldn't be interested in doing that, you know? And so, I did that for a long time. And it wasn't until 2009 I was actually in Iraq, and my wife sent me a picture of a positive pregnancy test. And she's like, and she'd been with me through tons of deployments. And she's like, hey, I think if we're gonna raise a family, it's probably time to put this behind us. And to tell you the truth, I thought I'd live that life forever. But when I thought about it, it's like, she's absolutely right. Because there are a lot of guys that were on my team that had families back home and kids. And it wasn't the most conducive lifestyle to being a present father and having a healthy family dynamic. So I agreed with my wife. I said, I think it's time for me to put this stuff behind us and we will focus on a new career. And that's what made me start looking at law enforcement. And it's not because I had some burning desire to be a police officer. It's the <laughs> truth. Like it was, it's kind of a natural progression for a lot of veterans, right? Oh, of course. Of course and it so is. So I wanted to go, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to be a cop, I want to be a high speed cop. I want to do the cool. I want to be Tommy Lee Jones from the fugitive. Right. And that's what I did. So I went and joined the U S marshals and I was a, a federal agent with them for almost five years. And I was stationed in Los Angeles and I was on the special response team and I got to do some cool stuff, but the cool stuff in that agency, at least in the district that I was in, I was in the central district of California. The cool stuff was about 5% of your time. 95% right. of your time was sitting in court proceedings, transporting prisoners, going to the hospital to take, to take inmates there so they could get treatment. And it, my soul started dying inside almost immediately. And it wasn't just that the mission wasn't what it was cracked up to be. It was also the people. It was bad leadership. The federal government has terrible leadership, at least in my experience. The people they were choosing for supervisors were very inept. There was a lot of posturing. It seemed like everything was a dick measuring contest. Promotions were just a dirty process where everyone's trying to claw each other's eyes out to the top. And it was very different 
than from where I came from. So I was immediately turned off. Why do you think? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I do that. You keep going. I'll, I'll just straight up interrupt you, but why do yeah, you think, do. <laughs> why do you think that? So let's, let me, I want to touch on something. So we know that leadership, there's, there's a real struggle right now in both of our governments uh, with leadership capabilities yep. or the fact that there just is none. And why do you think that is though? Why do you think that individuals who are, who are inept, who struggle, who have, very obvious lack of capability are promoted. Why is that? Well, it's it's the whole fuck up, move up model, right? In okay. in many agencies and corporations, you see the never most heard this impact. model. Yeah, a fuck up, move up. So you're a piece of shit. You get promoted, and you see that often because the the most competent people in any type of organization. And, and I use a lot of jujitsu analogies because obviously I'm a jujitsu guy. It's a big portion of my life. But any type of promotion, in my opinion, just like when I got promoted to sergeant in the Ranger Regiment, should come with a little bit of unease. Like leadership should be a burden. Very, very right. rarely is the, the man or woman who's sitting back there raising their hand saying, promote me, promote me, promote me. Very rarely is that the best suited person for the job because good quality leaders come with humility good quality lever, leaders, they, they understand that the, the farther up you move up the chain of command, the more of a burden that is, the more responsibility you have, the more eyes are on you, and, and the harder that it's going to be for you to be a, a, a quality, competent leader. And so I feel like if you're, at least once you, once you leave the military and you're in the, the federal government, very rarely, or, or I shouldn't say very rarely, never does the person who doesn't want to seek leadership get promoted. Like right. when I got promoted, when I got promoted in the Ranger Regiment, my platoon leader called me into his office and he goes, Hey, we're giving you a team effective immediately. We're in Afghanistan. This is a combat promotion. So it's non-negotiable. And you're now the team leader of Alpha 3-1. And it's like, fuck, I didn't want that. You know what I right. mean? And, uh, now, when you go into the law enforcement side of it, everybody that gets promoted is the people that are begging to get promoted and they test to get promoted and they're putting in their packets to get promoted. And I just think, and, and then another thing is that at least in uh, my first agency, it came with like a $20,000 pay raise when you go from 18, say. yeah, you go from GS 11 to GS 12 in the federal agency. It was, it was huge. And it's like, I get it. If you have more responsibilities, you need to be compensated for that, correct? But at right. the same time, you can't be motivated to lead men and women because of a financial incentive. That inevitably Absolutely. draws the wrong people. Right. And so I would see the good people reluctant to promote, the bad people always chasing promotions. And what you find is a system that is, as soon as, as, soon as the leadership at the top is not your strongest people, the agency's upside down and uh, I couldn't get away from that agency fast enough. And so I did, I did like almost five years, like I said, and uh, with hopes of maybe things will change or maybe I'll get a transfer. You know what I mean? Cause I put a lot of time and effort into getting that position and it, it reached the point where I realized this isn't going to be something that I can sustain for 20 years. So then I went and I checked, I switched to local law enforcement 
most people start in local law enforcement and then they move to federal. They almost look at it as like a promotion. Right. But uh, I did it the other way. And to tell you the truth, I think local law enforcement is uh, better suited for me. I enjoyed my time doing that job a little more. But and and I don't even have anything really negative to say about the agency that I was with as a local police officer in Seattle. But once all the coronavirus stuff started happening, I felt it was our duty as people in positions of authority to speak out and stand out against stand up against this. And so it, that's what I did. So well, let's just go, we'll go down that rabbit hole for a minute. The um the United States government has just issued a a statement on their government website that just straight up tells people they're going to die. Um, oh, I, I, yeah, I shared that on my Instagram. It was going around quite a bit. And yeah. so I was like, I need to go see this from the source because a lot of times the internet's bullshit, you know? I didn't sure believe it. I didn't yeah. believe it. Like Jez posted it. So Garen Joan posted it. And then I saw, and then somebody else, I think that was in our circle posted it. And so I messaged them and I said, oh, it was Dan Holloway. I was like, tell me this shit's not real. And he's like, it's super real. And I was like, hold on, Dan said it's real. So I need to double check that it's real. And I look and I'm like, it's painfully real. And then I messaged Alana Stott and she goes, that's on the way. Are you, she, like, she thought I was lying. She's like, hold on, wait, is that real? Because then I started getting asked, is that real? That's crazy that number one, there's that much of a lack of trust that all of us are going, wait, that's a joke, right? That can't be real. Well, here, let me, let me just there. read it for the, for the listeners. Anyone listening that hasn't heard this statement, this is from whitehouse.gov. This is a press release. And it said, we are intent on not letting Omicron disrupt work and schools for the vaccinated. You've done the right thing and we will get through this. And then pause <laughs> for the unvaccinated. You're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals that you may soon overwhelm. Like, and here's the thing, man. Like, when I know you're trying to intimidate me, when I know you're trying to use a bullying tactic, when right. I know you're coming at me with like a, or you do this or else energy, it's go mm -hmm. fuck yourself immediately. And, and I don't care if it's get vaccinated or if it's, hey, I want you to wake up and drink a glass of orange juice every morning, right? And I use the orange juice analogy because I like orange juice. But if the government <laughs> said, hey, you're going to drink one glass of orange juice when you get out of bed or else, I would put my body armor on and I'd grab my AR-15 and I'd be like, let's fight to the death, motherfucker. Because oh, that's juice. not their role to right. tell us what to do with our health and with our bodies. And the reason we know all this is bullshit is because exactly that. They haven't told anybody what to do in regards to their health or their fitness or their well-being. And now they're freaking everybody out about Omicron when there's been zero deaths from it. It's Omicron has been described as a mild sore throat. So, I yeah. mean, it's very obvious that every single opportunity that our governments get, they want to inject a bunch of fear with hope that that helps them control us and keep our keep us behaving in the manner that they want us to behave in. And I've been screaming from the mountaintops. I mean, it's why I lost my fucking job. The government doesn't get to tell you how to live your fucking life. And they have been trying relentlessly for 20 months now 
to dictate everything that we do. And a lot more people, I think, are seeing this for what it is. And I'm grateful. I am nervous, though, because I'll tell you what's, do you know what's going on up here in the, in the top of you, on the top of you, right um, above you? I've seen, I've seen a lot of what's going on up there. And it is concerning because it's a, it's fucking, it's communism. It's, it's real tyranny, you know? It is. We, we and I live in Seattle. Yeah, you're right, where, right below me. You can't go, you can't go to a restaurant without your vaccine passport. In, in restaurants that aren't letting me in, just so they know, and it's not just me, it's everybody I know. If you don't let me in because I don't have a passport, it's not that, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna eat dinner there tonight. I will never fucking step foot in your bullshit facility ever again, ever. And what right, you're doing is you're alienating people. a huge percentage of your customers. And in most industries, like I own a small business, I own a gym. I understand what it's like to have the struggles and the ebb and flow of, of, of customers and memberships to just arbitrarily write off half of the, your potential customers over some government mandate. It's because you're a fucking pussy. Like, I don't feel bad for businesses anymore. They're like, oh, we're struggling. You know, I don't feel bad for you because you're a fucking pussy. My gym has grown by 500% since wow. COVID started. I'm making three times as much money teaching jujitsu than I ever made as a police officer. And I don't say that to beat my chest or, oh, look how awesome I am. I say it because it's important for people to know that if you stand up, you resist the mandates. I told my county to fuck off. No one in my gym has to wear a mask. No one in my gym will ever have to be vaccinated. And have you ever you tried to here, breathe with one of those things on? Like yeah, exactly. breathe. Like, I teach fighting. Like we're on top <laughs> of each other. We're strangling each other. Try and put something over your face and do that. And that just goes to show you the people that are trying to tell us what to do are not athletes, are not fighters. They don't know what training's like. They're so out of touch with who we are that they don't get to fucking tell me what to do. And right. so my gym is open and I initially shut down just like everybody did because it's like, oh, fuck, Ebola's coming. We're all going to die. Like right. I, I got caught up in that initial fear wave because this is, I'm 40 years old. This is the first time something like this has happened in my life. But once I started to detach emotionally and just observe what was happening with our government, you started seeing, and I don't know how it was in Canada, but down here in the States, they had, they deemed essential versus non-essential. If you were non-essential, you had to stay home. You couldn't open your business. You were basically fucked. If you were somehow deemed essential, hey, life is great. Have your business open, go to work, do your thing. And if you compared your non-essential versus your essential, it wasn't about keeping people safe. It no. was about what generates revenue for the government. Well, perfect example. And I have a great one. You're going to love this. It's my husband's company and my company. Okay. COVID happens. This is fun. I am what can, is considered part of the fashion industry. I don't know if you know about that, but I am. Okay. This is what I, fashion I industry does. <laughs> so super fashiony. So we're part of the fashion industry. We are considered not essential. We, we, even though we fund these organizations that are nonprofits that have no government funding who literally keep people alive, but we're non-essential. We're not considered essential. My husband's company is a safety device, a neck brace company. It's called Atlas, okay? You wear it when you're full face helmet, so moto, supercross, all of that. Prevents cervical spine injury. Well, 
they got to stay open because they sell to dealerships that sell motorcycles and motorcycles are considered transport and you need insurance and things like that from the government to have those. So they got to stay open. They were deemed essential. But when, when we tried to cross the border this June by driving the very first time we were allowed to drive, we had all of our documents and they said, you guys are deemed non-essential, both of you, even though they said, and the criteria was that if you had a business in the United States, if you had some other things in the United States that you could go across, we both pay U.S. taxes. We both have U.S. employees and we both own businesses in the United States, but we were still deemed non We still could not go. So it's, it wasn't just about who was essential and non-essential. It came down to in Canada items. So it's worse than that for us. If you went into a Walmart that was open, obviously deemed essential. If you wanted to go down a hallway at one point in Ontario on the East coast of Canada, and they had at that time, it would be the tampons, the diapers and that stuff in that aisle, that aisle had plastic saran wrap over it. And you were not allowed to purchase it because it was not essential. Who the fuck tells a woman even friends that just had babies couldn't get car seats because they were deemed non-essential. They couldn't get books. They couldn't get clothes for kids. So I have friends calling me saying, my kid who's nine is suicidal. I can't go to the doctor because we're not allowed at the doctor in person. I can't get tampons because they're not essential. And my gym has to close. Yeah, just, just get fat, get weak, get stupid, and do yeah. what the fuck we say. And yeah. that is what they wanted. And that's yeah. what they still want. I mean, scare everyone. I'm so fucking sick of this essential versus non-essential bullshit because it's arbitrary and it's Mm -hmm. in the eye of the beholder. And like you said, you put a lot of emphasis in, in jewelry and designing and making jewelry. Right. And I guarantee (laughs) you, you have customers that buy that and they value that and they enjoy that. And it's important to them. And you start taking things away from people that they put importance on. And someone else might think that it's fucking stupid, right? I get that. I think that their fucking lifestyle choices are fucking stupid. And that's why they're all fat and weak and 300 pounds. They might think some of the shit that I put a, a high amount of emphasis on is silly. We're not all the same. And that's okay, right? But what's important and essential in your life may be very different from what's important and essential in my life. So for any group of people to just arbitrarily decide what you need or what you don't need, I mean, where do they want to draw the line? Because really you need food and water and shelter, right? Is that, I mean, they don't have the authority though, as a government entity to start dictating things about our lives in that manner. The one, the thing that fucking pushed me over the edge was, you know, the, the tabs on your license plate of your truck, right? Yeah. Yeah. You were saying that. Yeah. So you heard me talk about, I tell that story a lot of my podcast because it's like my tabs expired and I needed to renew them. And I was like, Mm -hmm. this is a little one inch by one inch red sticker. There's no reason this should be essential, but it gets the government 75 bucks instantly. And so I called Mm -hmm. the place up and they're like, Oh, department of licensing. I'm like, Oh, I'm just calling to see if you guys are even open. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, we've been deemed essential. Come on in and renew your tabs. And at that point, that's when I was done. Because it's like, you can't come to my, and my gym's CrossFit and Jiu-Jitsu. So we teach martial arts. And then we also have a lot of people that are there just for their own health, fitness, and well-being. And I was like, okay, you're telling me that my members can't 
focus on their health, their fitness and their well-being. But you can go stand in line to get a little red sticker if it, if it gives the government 75 bucks. I'm fucking done with your game because that tells me one of two things, right? That tells me, A, this isn't as serious as you guys are making it out and, and you're, you're bullshitting us or B, it is serious and you don't care to the point where if, if people will give you $75 for a sticker, you're willing to risk their health, right? So mm-hmm. either way that the government is conducting themselves at this point, I was done listening. I'm fucking done. It's strange to me, especially Americans, because Americans, this country was founded on the spirit of defiance. Like we don't work for the government. That's not how this government, that's not how this country's ever worked. And, and now here we are in 2021 and people act like the fucking government is their parent. Like the government is of the people, for the people, by the people. It's a representation of us. But what we have, what we found is we got a bunch of career elitist cocksucking politicians that want to dictate everything we do and what we don't do. And it's shocking to me that most Americans are just compliant and complicit in all of this at this point. I'm just shocked only because, like you said, all of those reasons. I mean, when you see the United States, which is supposed to be, I always say supposed to be because my husband and I joke a lot about the states. He raced in the states and my father and I lived in the states and tons of American family. So we just, we just joke about it on a regular basis. Like when we go down there, it's like, I've never seen so many overweight people in my life. And I am a horrible individual. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't get why your kid I needs hate to- fat people. So <laughs> you think you're horrible? I'll fucking say, I'll put it out there. Like, I don't, I don't hate anybody because I've learned that that is something that that word strong. I'm really careful now with certain things, not because politics, because of like spirituality and how I talk about people. So I don't hate anyone anymore. I highly despise people's life choices and then feel, and then those individuals who feel like they have the right to comment on my lifestyle choices and what I have to do with my body because it'll affect you, but not me. And that's, that's why I say that. That's why I say that out loud. Like, fuck you. Because the real pandemic in our country is obesity. It's arterial sclerosis. It's heart disease. It's diabetes. That's the real fucking pandemic. And all the people that are dying of COVID are sick with arterial sclerosis, heart disease, and diabetes. Right. And for whatever reason, we just want to turn a blind eye and say, no, it's not the fact that you've eaten yourself to death, you're metabolically sick, and now your body doesn't have the proper immune response to fight off an illness. Nobody wants to say that, but I'm the crazy one. You know yeah, you're I mean? the crazy one because you care about your health. You're the crazy one that because you take vitamins. You're the crazy one because you drink water. Oh, Jesus. Ooh. But if yeah, that makes they, me crazy, then I'm fine with that because they just did the a end of- study. They just did a study that, that, that confirmed they said people that drink soda are exponentially at a higher risk of dying of COVID. And I could have told you that before they did the study, but it, now it's out there. You know what I mean? It's ridiculous. We have this, um, I have this, uh, this mental, so we do this thing every Monday called uh, mental health Monday. And, um, we do it every day, every Monday at nine 45 PST in the morning and we go live and we have this group chat on signal though, that people from kind of all over the world are a part of, and they're from this group. And 
there's a bunch of people right now that, and I'm not exaggerating and I'm only bringing it up because I'm genuinely proud that they're slowing the fuck down on this. One of them said, I drink on average nine Coca-Colas a day, nine, nine. That takes two hands to make two. That blew my mind. And I sat there and I said, wait, hold on. You do, you drink nine. And he goes, yeah. I said, how much water do you drink? He's like, yeah, a couple glasses. I was like, cool. How much coffee? He's like, yeah, a couple, couple coffees. I was like, okay. So he works on machinery. And I said, have you ever seen the videos or have you ever used Coca-Cola to clean with? Because it will eat rust. It will, it will eat metal. And he's like, oh, I do it all the time. And I said, how are you putting it in your body? I started like on a live. I looked at him. I was like, you're telling me you're knowingly just chugging acid and you're like, it tastes good. So I said, but it's the sugar. I said, so what if we just, what if we work on cutting out the sugar? And now he's down to, I think he's down to three a day. We're getting them off. We're working them down, but oh my goodness. I, I, that just, it, it boggled my brain because they're, and I had to rationalize and wrap my head around this because I, I do know that I'll play devil's advocate. I do know that you only kn- can know what you know, and your parents were only taught what your parents were taught. That doesn't excuse it. But what it does do is it does explain why maybe those pathways and that thought process has been developed. Maybe that kid was given Coca-Cola at one and a half in its bottle, which I hate to admit how many times I've seen that in the United States makes me really sad inside. And so I understand that that, you know, you maybe started there, but over the past 20 years, you can't tell me that you didn't know better with things like the internet with things like podcasts with, you know what I'm saying? Like, I get, there's a point where we were like, cool, Coca-Cola is like safe for everyone. And then we're like, well, maybe it's not so great. And then that's around the time we were like, maybe cigarettes actually kill people. And then we all started to realize that putting shitty things in our body gives shitty results. And yet we still don't hold that accountable though, across the board. And it irks me because during COVID, There was a Denver newspaper. I brought it up on Jez's episode, ironically enough. He brought it up to me because he finds the best memes and the best news of all. And he goes, there was a girl sitting on the front cover and it was, she was highly obese and she was like 16 and she's like, um, dies of complications from COVID. And then on the next page, you flip it. And it was, um, it was a Dunkin' Donuts was giving free coffee and donuts. If you showed your vaccine card. So I'm just like, and we can't make this shit up, you know? Like, the reason that I, I use the word hate, and maybe that is even a little strong for me, but I don't have any people in my circle that I run with that are fat, that are weak, that are lazy, because your physical body is a direct reflection of your discipline, of your motivation, mm-hmm. of how you conduct yourself, of right. how you prioritize your life. And in my opinion, your physicality is literally the it's the foundational element of who you are as a human being and if you can't have the discipline because guess what motherfuckers i like mcdonald's as much as you do i like cake as much as it tastes the same to me it tastes good yeah you have to have the discipline to say okay yes it tastes good but i know this is terrible thing to a realization to come to but but if i eat it all the time it's going to poison my body And it's going to detract from my capabilities and I'm not going to function very well. 
Like as we're doing this podcast, I'm on day nine of a 12 day fast. I haven't eaten food. I haven't eaten any food for nine days. You think I'm, you think I want to eat dinner? Of course I do. We're all the same biologically. We're all driven to eat calorically dense foods because our bodies are still in our DNA. We live in a feast and famine mindset mm-hmm. where 200 years ago, I bet there wasn't any obese people because it wasn't even an, it wasn't even an option. You ate when you had food available and you starved when you didn't have food available. Right. And going through those, those feast and famine phases is what made people have this just like vigorous appetite to eat, eat, eat because it served us thousands of years ago. But now we've created this utopia where we, at any given time in our day, we can walk 15 feet, open our refrigerator, and we have 45,000 calories in there to choose from. I mean, why does anybody, why is anybody surprised that we're all fat and weak? We've made our lives too easy. And so knowing that our lives are easy, and I'm appreciative of this. It's cool having kids that are raised in a society where they're not getting eaten by bears and stolen from rival tribes. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like life used to be fucked up. I'm glad that we live in this time where it's not so fucked up. But because it's not so fucked up, people are creating their own problems. And in my opinion, because we don't face enough adversity, we don't go without food. That's why I'm doing this fast. It's not, I don't care how good it is for me. I, and it is good for me. I'm not saying it's not, but I like the mental adversity. That's why I sit in ice water. That's why I sit in my sauna and cook myself. It's why I fight every night because we have to face mental and physical adversity on a regular basis to keep us grounded with who we are as human beings. And we have these people that their house is 75 degrees, they get in their heated car, they drive to their office, everything is climate controlled, they have food at their disposal any given time. We don't even stand anymore. People are sitting all day. And then their body starts to go to shit in 30 years. And and you wonder why. I mean, it's very similar to the cigarette thing like you brought up. There was a time in history when it's like doctors recommend Marbreds. Like you remember right. seeing those yeah. crazy commercials? Well, we're in we're in the phase now where we know, I don't care who you are, you know that uh, scrambled eggs are a better choice for breakfast than Count Chocula. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. But, but I mean, I was an 80s kid. I grew up on Cocoa Puffs and Reese's Pieces. Like right. my parents... My parents didn't understand nutrition very well, but when I got, when I became 20, 21 years old and I was in the military and I was working out every single day, I started to look into it. Like what, what nutrients are going to serve me better? Mm -hmm. And you start to go down that path. That information is widely available now. And it's a choice to stay uneducated in this realm. Well, and that's what happens. I know that's why I brought that up because if I didn't have martial arts as a kid, I would have not had great eating habits. I know that for a fact. I understand that. I know that when I was, I think I was like, how old was I at the time when that happened? Between eight and 12. It was the first time I was fighting at the national level and I had to make a weight class for the first time. And I was like between eight and 12, a young girl. And I remember saying no to a teacher when she brought around Timbits. You guys call them donut holes. You know what Timbits are? (laughs) Yeah. Um, she was bringing them around and she was giving them to the class. And I remember said, I, I said, no, I can't have one. I have to lose weight. Cause I was a couple pounds over the weight class. That to me seems like a rational, you know, that's rational because 
I was fortunate enough to start fighting when I was four. So my mom and I, and my family learned, you know, dad grew up on a farm, but we learned that eating a certain, I had to eat a certain way to be able to train a certain way and at a certain level. And my coaches helped my parents meet with that. And if they didn't have that guidance, I don't know that I would have turned out the way I did. So I'm really grateful for that. But on the flip side of that, me saying that triggered the school to call a pediatrician and be like, this child's being neglected because she doesn't want to eat donuts. Well, because she thinks she has to lose weight. There's in their mind, there's no way that maybe this kid who we know has been fighting since she's been four years old and dedicates every waking moment to this sport. There's no way that she would have to do something for that. And that wouldn't be deemed acceptable because the child should be eating the sugar we give the child. Well, that, that just, it's a, I love that story. I'm going to use that story because go, that, highlights, that highlights the problem with society is that you have this fucking teacher that's trying to give our children poison. All right. Donut holes yeah. are poison. Yeah. They taste good. Congratulations. We've established <laughs> that, but they have no, zero nutritional value. High fructose mm-hmm. corn syrup. We, we could do 10 podcasts on how bad that is for you. Mm-hmm. And this child has decided, I don't want to eat your poison. Oh my God. What? And, and you're going to go strange... till I was 18. Yeah. Your parents are the strange ones. You're the strange ones. Yeah. We need to get the, the, we need to get the authorities involved. She doesn't yeah. want to eat our poison. Like she had to lose it, weight. It's oh, she had to lose weight. Yeah. It's I had like... to lose two pounds. And like in them, their mind, I was already 74 pounds. And in their mind, they're like, well, she has to lose weight. She, her parents must be neglecting her. They must not be feeding her right. When, when they've seen and been involved in my life to know my habits. And yet these teachers still take it upon themselves to think that they know best. Well, and that's why I just pulled all three of my daughters out of public school. I pulled, I pulled my younger two a year prior, as soon as the COVID shit started and my fucking kindergartner had to be learning through a, through an iPad I was like, nope, this isn't going to work. So I found the only school in Western Washington that is mask-free, vaccination-free, and they're fucking awesome because they're a freedom-based organization. And they're not accredited through the state of Washington. They're accredited out of state. So because of that, they don't even listen to what any of the mandates have to say. They don't give a shit. And it's awesome. But I pulled my younger two, and then my oldest, who's 12, so she's probably 11 when this happened. And... uh, I'm a big proponent of the carnivore diet. I think Mm -hmm. meat is exceptionally nutritious. Sean Baker is a personal friend of mine. And uh, regardless of what you think about that, like there's people that are diehard vegans that are extremely healthy, right? So again, you do you, I'll do me. Yeah, it's your personal choice and what your body, and we're proponents of the same thing about eating what what works for your body, not what somebody tells you. And so my daughter is in her, in her, seventh grade or sixth grade science class and oh, her, do- her, her teacher started talking about how eating meat is terrible for you and it's terrible for the environment because it contributes to global warming nobody should eat beef anymore and my daughter knows that i'm a proponent of beef like i've done diets where i've eaten nothing but steak for months at a time right with good results both like aesthetically and then also like performance driven And so I told my daughter, I said, before we take this conversation any further, (laughs) describe what your science teacher looks like to me. 
and my oh, daughter. No. Like, <laughs> oh no. Oh no. She gets like she gets kind of a smirk and looks down. And I said, Yeah, that's what I fucking thought. And I talked to my daughter just like I'm talking to you. Like it's we're real in this household. And I said, that's what I fucking thought. She's a great big obese motherfucker, isn't she? And she goes, she's really fat. And I said, okay, <laughs> do we do we take nutritional advice from people that are really fat? And she's like, no. I was like, no, not only no, like, fuck no. Like, I'm going to complain to the school. Like, stop yeah. telling my kids what to eat when yeah. you look like a 300-pound bag of shit. Yeah. And it's like, I know I'm always the crazy one. I'm the, Oh, I'm the crazy parent. I get told that all the time. But it's like wouldn't you think that someone that's going to coach our children on what nutrients to put into their fucking body should have an understanding? No, no. You, we can, I can just arbitrarily say things to you that I think I align with both like socially and politically and shove it down your throat as fact. And that's kind of the foundation of like the entire problem that we're seeing here in America. And that's why I was like, that's it. You're out of that school too. We're done with them. <laughs> I know. I, I keep seeing pretty much everyone I know is like pulling kids, pulling kids. And I'm, I'm sitting over here and my husband and I are like, he's like, he's working full time. It's like, I'm working full time. I just look at him and I go, listen, little one, we will talk about this stuff at home. And he's yeah. a headstrong individual and he knows what's right and what's right and what's wrong and what's wrong. And we make sure that kid is dialed. He went to an outdoor preschool during COVID. So he's five. Okay. So we, okay. we missed that. Like that weird time where we just got lucky that he was young enough, but not too young where he only wore a mask and can't like think for himself or have emotional response because of masks. Um, so we got in that span, he went to where he went to an outdoor preschool out here in BC. And it's like one of the only ones that's accredited. They don't do masks. They don't, they it's a child led program. They learn to forage kid got a hatchet at four you know, he's an outdoorsy little dude and he's a beast and I love it. And the thing that we have really taught him that I'm so glad I'm starting to see develop, you know, when you hope you're doing something right. And he's like the self-talk, the idea, he's a critical thinker already at five. He's not a follower. When we had the whole mask mandate come down for the kindergartners about him, what was it? What month did this happen? What month are we now? We're December. I think it was beginning of October. We got a mask mandate for five-year-olds and um, it came down and he had just started kindergarten and I was already having issues with this because he's in the system. Now he's out of the outdoor and now he's in the program. And he goes, mommy, I don't, they tell me I have to wear it. And I say, you do not have to wear that. So we called the principal and she goes, listen, it's not my job to make five-year-olds wear masks. It's to make sure that's that right. they're in school. And that's what I'm going to do. So you bring your kid, he's welcome at our school. And so he's one of the only ones in his class that doesn't wear a mask. And it was ironic because I actually told him because those kids don't, even if masks were as effective as people want them to be, or as clean as people want them to be, take that to the side, just, just for a second to the, to the side. Okay. You're asking a kindergartner to wear something around their neck that they're playing inside and out, their hands are dirty, they're touching, they're only using sanitizer. And then you want them to put it on their face. You want them to breathe into it. So I said, buddy, if, if you wear it, you're probably going to get sick because it's not like you're in a medical facility where they're changing them every time you leave the room. You're not touching them with dirty hands. You're not inhaling constantly in them. You're a kindergartner. They're going to get disgusting. Sure enough, the week he's like, mommy, I'm going to wear it. And I said, fine, go for it. Let me know how it works out. He got so sick. He came home, he had a cold and he goes, laughing about it. 
I'm laughing because he got a cold and I was like, yeah. I knew because you're, you're, you're a grubby little boy, you're going to put your hands all in it. And it's just, you're going to inhale a bunch of bullshit because they're not being utilized properly. Again, take away what they actually do, but just the idea of like a dirty piece of fabric on your face all day, of course, yeah. you're going to get sick from it. Um, well, let's go ahead. Let's take it. Let's take it a step further too, is that this fucking disease is statistically insignificant when it comes to children. Yeah. Well, they're, they're not, a, they're not at a risk. Right. And so, Oh, Oh, well, there was one kid that died and she was 300 pounds and she also had leukemia or whatever it is. Every source. And I'm not, listen, I'm a parent of three daughters. I understand the importance of the parental bond and how important your kids are. And if I lost a kid, it would ruin me. Of I'm not course. saying, but, and, and I think every parent on both sides of the spectrum will agree and respect that. But at the same time, you can love your kids all you want, but we also live in reality. So if you poison them with donut holes for, for 12 years, they're a hundred pounds overweight because you made them sick and then they catch a disease that kills them. Go look in the fucking mirror. Don't start yeah. casting blame or saying that my child needs to do this or every child should be masked up. Go look at the mirror. You poison your fucking kid. And then you also have people that are just, I mean, it's just by chance, a certain amount of people are going to have different ailments. And I mean, I know a person personally, a friend of mine whose wife died of COVID because she was already dying of leukemia. And, mm. and that story is extremely sad and it crushed our community. But at the same time, we have to be able to look at that logically and be like, she didn't die of COVID. Okay. She died with right. COVID and all the kids that are dying. And, and even when I say all the kids, the very few, they mm -hmm. died with COVID, not from it. And so now you expect all of us worldwide to implement these weird fucking pr protocols and do things to our kids, like fucking not let them touch their friends and make them sit at different ends of the table and have their Speaking face wrapped that, up. Okay? It's all bullshit. Speaking of that, we were, um, when you and I were talking last week, I was in Hawaii on our first family vacation and God knows how long. And, um, we were on the beach and, uh, this was the day I was actually texting you. I was going to text you after, cause I knew how you'd feel about this. I knew you'd pop off. So I was like, I'm a wait, <laughs> try to remember. And I'm a wait this one yeah. out. Um, so you're going to love it. So we're on the beach and all of us are out and, and my husband had been sick for a little while with some adrenal failure issues. And so he was like, I feel good. I'm coming outside. So we're all outside. We're having such a nice time. And Jack is this super loving, empathetic, just, I want to play with everyone and not afraid to go up to them. Mummy, do you see those boys over there? I'm going to go play with them. I was like, get it, go for it, buddy. He runs over flowing locks and just so happy. And he looks down and the mom puts her hand out and goes, stop. They cannot play with you. Sorry. And proceeds to put, <clears throat> I believe about a three-year-old and a five-year-old or two and four, roughly in that two KN95 masks on the, on the kids. And the kids sat still in the sand for like the next two hours. Yeah. And that Jack mom needs to get, that mommy's get slapped. That's child I mean, abuse in my opinion. You know, I, I sit here in one hand and say, Hey, you do you and I'll do me. And then my next sentence is she needs to get slapped. But I mean, yeah, 30 degree heat. What kind of long-term, um, issues are we causing with our youth mm. 
through these these strange so many social uh like these social constraints where we're dictating how they interact we're dictating when they they can't even see people's faces they're not supposed to touch each other they're supposed to squirt hand sanitizer all over their fucking hands 10 times a day it's just a bunch of weird bullshit that is not rooted in science and that's what i like that's why i get so sick of people like oh trust the science follow the science that's become the radicals left like talking point and what and what they why they say that is because they want to make people on the other side of the spectrum just look like dummies like oh no you're just a dummy so we follow the science but you're just a dummy so that's why i know you don't have any validity in your words because you're just a dummy and it's like it's such an immature way of trying to get their point across but not only an immature way it's an ineffective way because it shows like if you have to use dishonesty and deceit to try and convince us that your methods are the correct ones it pretty much shows that there's more than meets the eye here and that you are trying to manipulate and and this is agenda driven all the stuff that we've realized over the last two years well what i really struggle with is up here at least at least your president is attempting to pretend like he's doing this for your health and well-being our prime minister this week in a public forum it was on my stories this week um like just in front of the media legitimately stated that, and I'll find the exact quote of it, but he stated, yes, the Charter of Rights says this, we are actively going to go against it because the majority rules, not the minority. Hold on, you're a, we're a full-on dictatorship. As soon as you went on the news as the Prime Minister of Canada and said, yes, this is what your Charter of Freedom says, and I am I am not going to follow it. He stated it publicly everywhere. You should be and drug no, out in the fucking streets and locked up in some Nobody, stockade. Nobody is seeing that as a problem. Nobody is seeing that the leader of the free world in Canada, the, the country that is supposed to be the most free along with the United States, he is sitting there saying, your charter of rights and freedoms do not matter. Because you are not the majority anymore. And you see what he's doing there. He's pandering to his team, to the people oh. that are under his spell, the people that think, oh, he's correct and he's trying to save us. And so what he's saying is there's enough of us that believe this way. So fuck the other people. And and I don't know exactly how the Canadian government is structured. But when people say that in America, it makes me want to fucking punch them in the face because we don't live in a majority rule society. We live in a democratic yeah. republic. We live Correct. in, we follow the constitution and we respect people's individual rights and individual liberties, individual freedoms. Like if 51% if of Americans said, I think we should bring slavery back. Does that mean we bring slavery back? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Just because even if, and I, I think he's lying, I don't think that the majority of Canadians uh, are appreciating tyranny, but let's just play devil's advocate and say that he's correct. If the majority of Canadians want to infringe on the minority of Canadians, you still don't get to motherfuckers. You still so, don't have that period. Exactly. So he said <laughs> word for word, regardless of the fact that we are attacking your fundamental rights or limiting your fundamental rights. And the charter says that's wrong. We're still going to go ahead and do it. It's basically the majority, sorry, it's through story, so it's going, 
It's basically a loophole that allows a majority to override fundamental rights of a minority. That God, is my dude. prime minister. Hey, we're basically just, we're, you know, I'm acknowledging that this is a violation of your rights, but I found a loophole. So I'm going to do it anyways. But he said it out bro, loud. Bro, I was going to say, that's what I'm saying, bro. That's the kind of shit that is discussed in your back office. And then when you go out to the press conference, you articulate it in some bullshit way to trick everybody. Dumb, dumb. You're not supposed to say, you're not supposed to walk up, but, but, but shame on the people that just fucking sit back and allow that motherfucker to continue to say that stuff. And I'm one of them, right? Like, cause my government is not much better than yours. You say at least Joe Biden tries to do this or tries to do that bullshit. He doesn't know what Joe planet Biden, he's on. Yeah, as I say, <laughs> Joe Biden just does what Joe Biden's told. That's it. Yeah. And he's he's a bigger dum-dum than any of them. But, I heard that clip like, of his wife letting it slip on air when he was like, get her, get him off the air. Get him off the air. He yeah. didn't know what he's saying. I was like, what? Or dude, he's imagine? giving like a eulogy at Bob Dole's funeral. And he's like, and this concludes the message. End of message. Like, bro, like I'm fucking just a nobody that, that runs a podcast. And I can articulate my thoughts and my stances. I, I, I give public fucking speeches sometimes and I'm a nobody and I can stand up on a podium and communicate my thoughts and articulate them to other human beings 100 times more efficiently than the leader of the free world. What the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? I'm like this shocked. isn't even a right, this isn't even a right versus left issue because no, it's not. there's plenty of people on the left, i.e. Tulsi Gabbard. I don't know if you follow Tulsi Gabbard. I love her. I want to talk to her so bad. She is such Dude. an inspirational human being, but just the powerhouse woman that she is, it's an it's an awe of me how she was not elected. I know. And and the reason I bring Tulsi Gabbard up, and every time I bring her up, my followers are like, fuck Tulsi Gabbard. She's a fucking Democrat and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, bro, but why listen, though? Because she's I, a I, I, People get so we're tribal and like uh, we're on this side, we're on this team, and fuck everybody on the other side. But that's the wrong way of thinking. Listen, the fucking left had some powerful candidates, right? And yeah. Tulsi Gabbard was one of them. Take her policy and put it on the back burner for now. Look at how she articulates herself. Look at her energy. Look at how she she takes care of her physical body. That's important to me. She served in the military. She's done a she's done a lot of selfless acts with her right. time as an American. And and it goes on and on. And also when you're talking to her, when you see the words that are coming out of her mouth, you know it's authentic. So regardless if you agree or disagree, I would rather have people that I agree on some terms with them, but I disagree on other terms, but we can have a conversation about it, right? And they know where what they are. These motherfuckers, what these motherfuckers do now is they say whatever is going to paint them in the best light in that moment. And it depends on what crowd is in front of them or where they're at geographically. So you don't know what any of these people stand for, where their hard lines are, what they stand for. And so when, when the, we were having the Democratic primary and Tulsi Gabbard was on that panel and there was a couple other people up there too that I didn't like politically, but they could sit up there. They could articulate themselves. They had the right, they had better energy to them. I was like, Joe Biden's like the lost grandfather up there. What's he yeah. even doing up there? What, what is this? You know, I was like, there's a 0% chance that he gets selected. Then he gets selected. 
And then I said, well, there, now there's a 0% chance he gets elected. You know what I thought happened? I thought that the, the powers to be in the Democratic Party did some type of assessment and they determined that Trump was going to be unbeatable. So they put their weakest link against him with hopes that in 2024, they could come back with a powerhouse like a Tulsi Gabbard mm -hmm. or somebody yeah. that could inspire people, somebody that could stand up there and, and articulate and get people like to get behind a cause. Right. And I was like, I think they're just chalking this one up as a loss because nobody, and I know I live in Seattle. I know plenty of Democrats. I don't know anybody that likes Joe Biden. I don't know anybody. No. Right. And so <laughs> no. like, what the fuck are we talking about? Every Democrat I know is like, yeah, he, that guy's a fucking moron. I don't know why he got picked. And oh, here we are. Now he won. And the election fraud thing that, that all people on the right cling to, listen, I don't know what's real and what's not. And, right. and I, wish, I wish that I did, but I can't sit here and say he stole the election. Like, I don't fucking know what happened. Right. But it sure seems odd that the stupidest motherfucker out of all candidates on both sides of the political aisle is now our president and now he can't even walk upstairs he can't he has that fucking earbud in his ear he's like uh salute the marines like did you see that one no he's walking by a group of marines and he looks at him and goes salute the marines because somebody said that in his earpiece and right. instead of saluting the marines he decided he to say it. that to him right and it's like this is not fucking sustainable so what's no. next for what's next for american politics it's like it's like the fucking it goes back to what we said about leadership in the beginning of the show the most inept people on the planet chase careers in politics like joe biden has never done a fucking thing in his life other than sit in dc and just be caught up in a bunch of bullshit a bunch of scandals and a bunch of lies and now here we are fucking 50 years later it took him 50 years of being in D.C. And now he's the president. Congratulations. Like, but fuck our really? system. But like, is he <laughs> no. really? Well, that's the other thing. Of course he's not. And now that you know he's not calling the shots. what? How do you how still have do you, respect for it? Yeah. But how far down the fucking rabbit hole do you want to go with conspiracy theories? Like, oh. we know <laughs> Joe Biden is not calling the shots. There's times when it's like, hey, cut his mic, cut his mic, cut his mic, you know? Who's saying that? But not only that, who's not, not only is who's saying that, but could you imagine another time when that would have happened to Bush, would have happened to Obama, would have happened to, nobody would have, you knew when Obama was in, when Obama spoke, Obama was speaking, obviously at a speechwriter, but he wasn't, yeah, he may be taking cues, but he was not, he was with it enough to understand that when the word means salute the Marines, it's a physical gesture. You don't repeat <laughs> yeah. it. Like you just no. knew that the decisions were there. And I do wonder though, and this like this gets conspiracy as fuck. If you really want to go like balls to the wall Let's here. Go. Go. There's the idea that we people knowingly understood something large and massive was going to happen to the population and they would need someone that they could control during that time to mitigate that time frame, And they knew that if they brought him in, he would be the easiest to, to mitigate really during COVID. Yeah. I mean, that goes like, yeah. woo! -woo. 
well, and well, subscribers, Paul. <laughs> I have I go back and forth on all this stuff because I, know. I, mean, I, look, at my, I look at myself in the mirror and I ask, like, dude, are you fucking going crazy? Are, have you lost your mind? Or is this a possible reality that we are facing? And I'm finding myself more and more because I've always been a critical thinker. I'm not a stupid person. Like I can take, I, I can look at issues from two sides and, and listen to people articulate their perspectives and all that stuff. And I've, I've always prided myself on being someone that's like, I'm, politically I lean right, but I want to hear what the left has to say. And I want right. to hear why they believe they take certain positions on issues and whatnot. But the, the farther this goes, the less, the less possibility that this isn't some dirty fucking master plan. I mean, I I don't think just utter incompetence could have brought this issue this far. Like, oh, COVID popped up and now, now we're just almost going to seize the opportunity of a power grab and we're going to fucking take from people and we're going to, we're going to become self-serving and the rich got richer and the government got richer while everybody else struggled and became fucked, lost their businesses. Like, is it possible that that was just, they just seized the moment? Maybe. Yeah. They're just opportunistic behavior. But now when we're looking at like, Oh no, I'm no longer a wacko saying that COVID was created in a lab. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, Oh no, it actually was. Oh shit. Well, when it was, when someone else, and listen, I'm just a fucking knuckle dragging ranger, right? I mean, I have a degree in exercise physiology, but I have no fucking virology experience. I'm not a fucking doctor. Like I carried a machine gun around the mountains for a decade. Right. But when you say (laughs) a bat fell in a cup of soup right outside of the Wuhan lab of virology that was studying coronavirus. Okay. Well, fucking you know what I'm saying? Like if the, if the bells and whistles are going off, if something doesn't feel right, nine times out of 10, it's because it's not right. And I remember immediately, I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? And all my left buddies like, oh, you're so stupid. We, that's fucking ridiculous. The science shows it came from a wet market and blah, blah, blah. And a, a bat fucked up a pangolin and then it touched somebody's soup or whatever the fuck it was, right? Somebody's soup. <laughs> and now... Now they're saying like, oh no, you know what? We think it came from the lab. That was actually correct. Oh, we're shocked. I'm fucking I'm shocked. shocked. <laughs> you know? But then and and then it's also been proven that our fucking our fucking the, the head scientist of the world, Dr. Fauci, was funding the Wuhan lab of virology. Yeah, the gain of Oh no, no, I wasn't funding it because uh I, I, I laundered the money through several steps and it didn't, it wasn't supposed to look like it came from me anymore, but it did. And like, everybody's just cool with this stuff. They lie through their fucking teeth. And then we're wonder. To, yeah. Like fucking Ron uh, Rand Paul has called Fauci out on so much shit. And he's just under oath giving fucking testimonies. Like that's ridiculous. I can't believe you'd say that. That's not true. And then it's found out. Oh wait, it is true. That's but, happened but over why and over. Isn't there's repercussions. I mean, we take we take such um, quick and rapid action on on other things like Rittenhouse. We take such quick and rapid action on, for for example, um, there was a terrorist that uh, there was a whole thing. He was arrested in Canada. Apparently, his rights were violated, and we awarded him ten point four million dollars. So that was cute. So, like, why are we so quick to rush 
all of these other things and put people in prison for other things and, and quick to say, no, they're lying here and we caught them in a lie here. But we have direct correlated evidence, forensic evidence that you can prove and see wire transfers and wire transfers. And yet this person still isn't being even held accountable. He's still being allowed to speak on the public's behalf. It's because they want you to have the facade of uh, a squared away judicial system. They want to paint the picture that America is still operating in, in, in with honor, integrity and liberty. But that's only if you're down here. When you're at the elite ruling class, they can do whatever the fuck they want. They can do insider trading. I mean, how the fuck are, are people like Nancy Pelosi buying a $25 million mansion? Think about it, that. Doesn't she, I just read a bunch of stuff about that. Oh my God, I love this. This is my yeah, well, go I love this episode. Fucking, go look at her fucking salary and yeah. then ask how she can buy a $25 million mansion. And it's like, right. that's what all these cocksuckers are doing. They go to Washington, they have fucking benefits for life and they get filthy fucking rich. And it's like, no, 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 no. What did, what did I fucking say an hour ago? Leadership's supposed to be a burden. You don't go serve your fucking country in politics with aspirations of becoming extremely wealthy and, and mm. all these self-serving desires to make me, 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 me. You look at Newsom and Pelosi and all these gross motherfuckers, they're there for them, 100%. And anything they can do to, to maintain their position, they will. So they give this facade of liberty and a, and a, a proper operating judicial system but they do whatever the fuck they want and they never get in trouble for it. And, and nobody that is like, I mean, fuck, where do we, where do we stop? They are not held accountable, but if we do anything, we would be held accountable immediately. Like fucking Alec Baldwin. If I pointed a pistol at someone and shot them. And they died. And they died. I would get fucking charged with a minimum of involuntary manslaughter, period. You know? But no, nope, mm -hmm. once you're part of that fucking woke, that elite class of woke motherfuckers, like, oh no, it wasn't even brought up, you know? And it's like- That's what I don't understand. Because there's so many I instances know, like this. Understand it. Nobody understands well, it. You guys like, so for your, for example, the British had, they got caught having, um, they went into full lockdown and they caught, got caught in photos having a party, right? So if we got caught in photos having a party though, you and I, there'd be a minimum of a $5,000 fine. If you were like the Canadian priest that had his church open and landed back, you would get arrested on the tarmac and be held and shown as an example. But we have people that are on camera the day before saying you cannot do this. And then the next day throwing a party, doing the opposite thing right now in British Columbia, we have Bonnie Henry who came out and just gave us new restrictions saying that you cannot have uh, more than 10 people in the house. And if they're unvaccinated, they can't be with vaccinated people. You can't um, throw a and new year's party. She's going to get hey, caught doing it. Bonnie, what? Bonnie Henry, Dr. Bonnie, Bonnie Henry. Henry can go fuck herself. Right. Right. Everybody can go fuck themselves. And that's why everybody thinks that I'm crazy. But you can't see it behind me. But I have my AR-15. I have body armor and a fucking bag full of magazines. And I'm done with these cocksuckers. Period. You want to come and try and fucking tell me that I can't have people in my house? Come fucking do it. You want to tell me I can't have people in my gym? Come fucking do it. 
And I have been telling, I've been screaming this from the mountaintops. I've been putting this on my Instagram, showing videos like, hey, my gym's open and I'm here with body armor and an AR-10 with 20 magazines and come and fucking stop me. I dare you. And people have Instagram like, pulled gonna... you? No, they never have. <laughs> I hate you so much. I literally am about to lose my personal account. I've been warned 13 times for a deletion. I got 10 warnings over one weekend because I was doing a 24-hour row-a-thon for charity where we were on rowing machines for 24 hours and I was tagging a charity and launching my beer at the same time because we were donating all the money from it and they flagged me every time, every for time what? and they pulled it down. What was the violation? Um, hate speech. Oh God. And, and we could do a whole nother episode on hate speech because I want to oh. let people in on a little secret. When people say things that are mean to you or about you, maybe use that as an opportunity to show a little resiliency and a little resolve and understand that not everybody is fucking nice and not everybody likes you. And bullying, again, not a popular thing to say, but bullying has probably helped a lot of people turn into strong, capable people. Because if you get bullied, you go one of two ways. You say, hmm, I didn't like how that felt. So next time I'm going to address the situation a little differently. That happened to me when I was fucking 12. Yes. Yeah, and I was like, okay, this kid's been being mean to me. He's been being mean to me. My dad told me to punch him in the face the next time it happened. Well, but that sounds scary. I don't want to get in a fight. Like all those emotions, you know, but now it's like, everybody's going to be protected. If someone's mean to you, don't do anything about it yourself. Go tell on him. And then we're going to address it. And we have these big campaigns where everybody's nice and everybody should treat each other with respect. And it's like, I tell my daughters this. I said, if you think that everything in the world is nice and everybody's going to treat you with respect, when you go out in the real world, you're going to get eaten fucking alive because the real world is ruthless. And I'm not saying it to scare you. The real world is awesome. And I love tons of people, but there's also a lot of fucking predators and pieces of shit out there. Right. And what we're doing is we're conditioning our people that just, be weak at every fucking level of being a human being that drives me fucking crazy as you can tell oh, oh no it's okay i understand it I, I i'm of the same similar mindset you know i understand that there are things ebb and they flow and you know we should be respectful to you know people and listen there's plenty of family members right now that literally like the new restrictions came out we're on vacation they're like don't talk about it in front of kelsey because i i can't I struggle to hold my tongue anymore. People are like, well, you should be careful what you say. You know, you're working on a book. You're doing this. You need to be quiet. You know, certain things you need to just maybe not talk about. And I say, listen, it's not about left or right to me because I don't care. I'm more of a centrist than I am anything else. I don't, I'm not American. I'm Canadian. The difference is now is you guys have free speech. I don't anymore. So the problem is the government can censor, Canadian government can now censor my social media. And that is how my business is run. And when you start reporting things like my charity events, that's a problem. That's not okay. What that has shown is it has shown that our leadership has influenced our society in Canada so much so that people think it's acceptable behavior to act this way. The government, my government has almost given permission for people to say, fuck the unvaccinated people, fuck those people. They're not welcome in the hospitals. There was a 12 year old boy turned away. My son was turned away from six walk-in clinics because he was unvaccinated when he had strep throat and his throat was closing. I had to sit outside of our doctor's office and be like, you need to take him in. 
Yeah, and you know what, dude? I'm reaching the point where all you motherfuckers that are perpetuating this, oh, I don't agree with it, but uh, if I don't fall in line, I, I don't toe the line, that they're going to shut me down or I might lose my license. Fuck you, pussy. And when the time comes, you're going to get yours too. No fucking mercy. I'm done with these motherfuckers. Because, dude, what is their oath? Their fucking, their medical oath. You know, you're going to turn away a fucking 12 year old boy because he's unvaccinated. Like, yeah, there's it, lots of that happening up here. And it's, what the it's fuck are you talking about? Recently. You, should, yeah, you they should have your head fucking caved in with a hammer if you treat yeah, they, a fucking child like that. Yeah, they don't allow you in the, so they don't allow you in the hospital. They still don't allow you in the hospital with anyone. So when my husband had his adrenal failure issue and he dropped and the ambulance put and 911 put us on hold, I got him in the car and I ripped him to the hospital. And when I got there, they didn't want to let me in. And he was non-communicative. He, he didn't have enough. He wasn't with it enough to communicate and advocate for himself. And I've, I've talked about this on a few other episodes um, to be a broken record for the listeners, but you people do understand that at that time when my husband was actually lying in the bed asking for help, the nurse said no, um, that she wouldn't help him because he used cannabis that day. And so they deemed him a drug addict on paper and wouldn't give him the proper care. And that happened two weekends in a row. And I couldn't understand it because I would sit, I was sitting in my car and I was not allowed in the emergency with him. And I had to just sit there and wait. And the nurses and doctors that were supposed to be helping him would come out for their smoke break, eat a donut, who were already very overweight, hug each other with no masks on, and then walk inside. But I wasn't allowed to be there to advocate for my husband. And the thing that bothered me the most out of all of that is the year before we were toting these people as, as heroes, these, these you know nurses as heroes and all of that. And listen, I, you and I both served in the military you knew what you fucking signed up for. You just got a taste of it. You just got a taste yeah. of what, sh what real shit looks like. Yep. You went from being on base to fucking outside the wire real quick. And a lot of people exactly. didn't like that. And a lot of people were like, oh, feel bad, feel bad. And I'm like, I don't feel bad. That's your job. You're in a situation that sucks right now, but that's still your job. I'm not going to sit there. If you there. don't like it, change it. Well, and exactly. If you don't like it, change it. It's the same with a lot of te teachers I know where they're like, how am I supposed to, you know, ever not live where I'm living and do what I'm doing when I'm only making this money. Then if you don't like being a teacher and you're unhappy there, get up and change your fucking situation. I don't agree with the behavior of people saying, well, the, you know, the restaurant had to impose it because if they didn't impose it, then they would lose their, they would lose their restaurant. Well, this is why we're, this is all happening, right? Exactly. People don't think that there's another option. People don't think that you can push back on things. They're fearful they're of cowards. what will happen. They're cowards. Yeah. And then people say to me, well, it's not fair. My, my favorite thing is it's not fair to take it out on. It's not a fair to take it out on them. It's just the restrictions. Okay. So it also wasn't fair that we like put stars on people and said that they could only live in certain parts of town, but fun fact that's happening. Fun fact. There's camps in Australia with barbed wire that you can't yeah. leave. So don't tell me, do not sit there and tell me this is different. Yeah, it may be in modern times and we think that that can't happen. Well, then tell me why there's 12,000 active concentration camps in China, but we let that happen. So don't yeah, tell me happening. this shit can't happen because it can. And it's happening from within and it's happening slowly and it's happening methodically. And I hate to fucking be the broken record to say, go listen to the episode, but go listen to the episode again. People are going to be like, they're fucking all part of the Rogan cult. Go listen to the episode that he just did with, was it McCullough? Peter McCullough. 
Yeah. If you what? haven't listened to that and you have internet access, shame on you. Every shame. human being with internet access should listen to that. The guy's a cardiologist and a virologist and the most published physician in American Ever. history. He is not a dummy. No. And the left wants to paint him to be a dummy. Like you, you only though. have to listen to him speak. You only have to listen to him speak for 45 seconds before you realize, oh, this guy is brilliant and he knows what the fuck he's talking about. But yes. you can't have people like that. You can't have people that go against the agenda. But to, but to, to touch on your point of people that are like, oh, listen, I don't agree with you, but uh, you know, my boss told me that I have to kick you out if you don't have a mask on. At this point, if you are compliant, you are complicit, period. And, yeah. and, and just because somebody told you to say something, but it's not how you personally feel, doesn't fucking matter. You're going to have to take ownership of it. If you're saying it and you're enforcing it, that's on you now too. And so either grow a pair of fucking balls and stand up for what's right. Or when the fucking time comes, when we take our countries back, you chose your side. You chose the side of being a weak, compliant, fucking foot soldier for tyranny and you're going to get yours too like i'm concerned you. about canada i don't know that we will have the push that you guys will I, i'm you guys, I'm, you, I'm serious does every household in canada have 10 ar-15s and and suitcases no full of magazine? none we're not allowed ars we're not allowed those long rifles we're only allowed certain weapons um we can't have a certain amount yeah we do not <laughs> No, That's they passed insanity. a bill overnight. Yeah, they pulled, they, um, I was last year, the year before, I can't remember the exact, I'm sure people will correct me. There was a bill that was in place overnight where AR, AR so C7s, um, M16s, ARs, any of those had to be turned in overnight. So there wasn't like a law that got passed with like with votes and things. It was like, they were gone. They were gone. And, and people fucking turned them in, huh? Like, well, some what? people did. My, my friends didn't turn shit in, but- a lot like of people, I, I, yeah. This isn't something that we like, hey, don't, don't don't tell the government about my guns. I get real sick of people saying like, lost mine in a boating accident. Lost mine in a boating accident. Like, that's kind of cute. That's funny. That's your way of saying that you still have it, but you're going to pretend you don't. No, motherfuckers, come and take them. I fucking dare you. Like, please, come but and take least, them. I've been in more gunfights than probably every cop in my county combined. <laughs> I'm not fucking averse to a gunfight. And dude, I'm a supporter of law enforcement. I was a cop for a decade, right? Yeah. But the second that you side with a fucking tyrannical government because it serves you, well, fuck you too. And Americans, I hope they still have that fucking spirit in them. Because if you don't Some think do. that day is coming, if you don't think that day is coming, you're lying to yourself. Of course that day is coming. Is it going to be in a year or is it going to be in 10 years? I don't know but they don't want us to be an armed population. The left fucking hates that. Joe Biden even said like, I uh, was it Anderson Cooper or someone interviewing him is like, there is a percentage of Americans that are concerned that if you become president, that you're going to come after our AR-15s. And he goes, bingo, that's correct. It's because I am. And, and just the way that he said it just made, yeah, it's just fucking it gross. gross. It was gross. Bingo. I am like, oh, I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want. You're right. Fuck those guys. It's like, hey, motherfucker, your government entrusted me to carry guns all over the fucking world. Right. Right. Like carrying an AR-15 was cool all through the mountains of Afghanistan. It was cool carrying it through the streets of Ramadi and Fallujah. Like when I was pushing your agenda, that weapon system was fucking rad. But now that I have three little daughters that I want to defend, nope, probably shouldn't have it. That's that's dangerous. That's too dangerous. Like, 
Meanwhile, you're surrounded by teams of men with AR-15s because I used to be one of those guys. I worked Department of State Security. I worked uh, Department of Justice, Supreme Court Justice Security Details, where you have teams of men in armored cars and everybody has an AR-15. I wonder why that is. Maybe because it's an effective defense weapon, you know? It's... But no- um. It's interesting when you, when you, when you think about, when you break down that, just that little thought there. And I've thought about this like a lot frequently (laughs) is that all of these people that these high level individuals that run the governments, they're all being protected by X versions of us. A hundred percent. Do you, do they not? I wonder though, if that goes through the mind, listen, I get people are vetted. I get, you know, people have their beliefs, but when push comes to shove, when push truly comes to shove, do you think those people are going to stand up for them or are they going to stand up for their families? Well, I can tell you because I used to be one of those people. Exactly. And in the, world of pers- in the world of personal protection, it's kind of the unwritten rule that the team will risk its safety for you in 100% regards to how you treat the team. I know guys that worked with Hillary Clinton. And if that ever went down, nobody's diving in front of her, period. (laughs) No one's, no, and that's true. No one's risking their life to drag her off the street when, you know what I mean? She Mm -hmm. treated her own team like dog shit. And that's not me. That's not something I read on Google somewhere. I know men that worked on that team. She treated them like shit. And then I've worked for principals who are state department diplomats that are like, Hey, Greg, just so you're clear of where we're at on things, I'm a nerdy lawyer and you're a fighter and an army ranger. So if things ever go bad, please tell me what to do. I will follow your lead 100%. I will never question you. You are hired to keep me safe. So however you need to do that, please let me know. Right. They're letting you do what you need to do, right? Then you have the other spectrum of people that are being uh, protected by security teams. They think it's like, Oh, look at me. I'm a fucking, I'm modern day royalty. These guys are my slaves. They're going to do what I say. Hey, grab my mm. suitcase for me. No, I'm not grabbing your suitcase. Cause if not I'm carrying, a suitcase, I'm probably not going to be able to fucking fire and maneuver on someone, but it's uh, it, it's a weird industry, but yeah, it's full. It's, it's full of people that want to take your guns or they already took your guns. Now they yeah. want to take my guns, but they're surrounded by people that are armed to the fucking teeth. I and know, then here's another, here's another interesting point that all you stupid anti-gun motherfuckers don't understand. <laughs> oh, well, call the police, call the police. Okay. So what you're saying is if there is a problem, call a man or a woman that has a gun. a gun, that has a gun. And then that man or woman is going to show up to your house and protect you and your family. Okay. Well, let's unpack that a little bit because I am better with firearms than almost any cop that I know, right? So if, if, if a man or woman is going to show up with a gun to defend my family, well, I'm capable of being that man. I could do that job. But here's the other thing. Police officers, by nature of how the criminal justice process works, they're not going to be there to save you. They are reactive. Mm-hmm. Something mm-hmm. bad has happened. Some fucktard kicked your door in. And now there's a guy standing in your living room and you have to say, hmm, this seems like a problem. Let me call for help. 
Now I have an undisclosed amount of time between the time I made that phone call and when that person shows up to save you. A lot yep. of bad shit. Yeah, a lot of bad shit can happen in three minutes or 10 minutes. We're in Seattle now, 60 to 90 minutes for a police officer to arrive. So if, you're, if you think guns should be taken, but you would call the police for help, okay? All you left-leaning fucktards, if, you would, if some guy would break into your house and fucking try and rape you and you would call the police, then you're part of the fucking problem because you're acknowledging, yep, I, I want to be part of a system that calls armed men to save me. I just don't want to be that armed person myself. And I just released a new podcast shirt and it says, no one is coming to save you. They're oh, fucking awesome. They're awesome. And because that's my mentality, it's like, listen, I like the military. I like law enforcement. That was my fucking realm for many, many years. But at the end of the day, you need to be ready to save yourself. If you're not right. ready to save yourself, you're telling yourself a fucking lie. And I'm not living in like, fear or this triggered state all the time like we're kind of fired up today right but i look at it more as just a healthy way to live your life like do you know who mike glover is yeah i've had him on the show okay so mike glover is a friend of mine and he's done my show as well and if you look at how mike glover carries himself he's the nicest most down-to-earth person you will ever meet he's very normal (laughs) yeah but he believes in the no one is coming to save you model and you right. need to be ready to take care of yourself. When you teach people the model to take care of themselves, what it does is it liberates them. When you know like, okay, I could fight and if I had to, I could fire and maneuver. And if I had to, I could go hunting and acquire food or I know how to like build a shelter and stay warm. Like all these things, these capabilities that you develop as a human being the more capability you have, the less likely that you can be controlled by fear because right. it's like, hey, I'll take your food away. Okay, I'm good. We'll take your house away. No, I'm good. We'll take this away. We'll take that away. We'll put this mandate, this restriction. And people that aren't intimidated by that, that scares the opposition. That's mm-hmm. why they hate people like Mike Glover because Mike, oh. Glover, Mike Glover's entire platform is teaching you to be able to take care of yourself. And it's not some crazy anti-government movement. If you look at how no, Glover at articulates, a lot of it's like, oh, a natural disaster hit or the power grid went down. Like, we don't know what problem you may face in your life, but let's have some contingency planning. I mean, you were a vet, so you know the military fucking beats us with contingency plans. Like, you better have a primary, a secondary, a tertiary. Like, you need to have options. Because if you run out of options in the combat zone, like bad things happen. Right. That's all that he is doing. And they want to fucking like, they seized his bank accounts and shit for a while. Like you remember it got crazy. He's, I know he's got his, he's getting Instagram issues. There's a handful of us right now that are getting hit like on repeat. And he, so he got wise and just made a backup account too. And I was like, bro, you got to do, you got to do these things. I think he got he gets hit all the time because of all the different pages. So I think they kind of amalgamated into one and then they were kind of warning him there as well. And it was, it was fascinating too, because I'll message him or something. And sometimes it'll pop up and say, this person regularly distributes misinformation. Dan Holloway gets it too. And a bunch of people are getting it because they don't, the algorithm picks up words we're using like firearms and safety and individuality and just human rights and freedom and those types of things. 
Yeah, Mike crazy. just got gigged for something for selling firearms on Instagram. And it's like, yeah, it was a photo. He's he not wasn't selling, selling firearms, you dumb motherfuckers. You know, no, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I really don't understand it because you should want your population to be strong. You should want your population to feel, to feel capable. Like Lex asked me this question and I like question, I questioned myself on how I answered it because he said, it was right around the time the Russians just came out with their um, training propaganda video and the American army came out with their animated propaganda video. Did you see those? Uh, no, I know. Oh, oh my God. I gotta yeah, send, send it to you. Shit. Oh my send God. You're going to love it. The United States. I think, I don't know if they deleted it, but I know it was on YouTube and they disabled, they disabled the comments because it was getting ruthless. But the United States army put out a new like recruiting video and it was animated. Oh, a bunch of woke ass shit, huh? So do you see my eyes? And so yeah. it was like, it was like a girl joining the army and she had two moms and she was doing this. And one day she was going to grow up to be this. And it was this big animated cartoon though. So it was like super bubbly. The next day, I think it was like the next day or that week, the Russians put out their recruiting video <laughs> and it was like dude in the mud, just fucking pushing them out. Just somebody's food on their back and they're screaming. And he asked me, he goes to <laughs> If you could pick one, who would you side with? And they said the Russians. 100%. That is a terrifying video. And I tell people that all the time when we're talking about like, listen, I know that you're on the left and you're woke and everybody's equal and you love everybody. And, and no man, is no man is stronger than any woman. And there's the sexes are identical. In fact, they're so identical that you can just change back and forth on a whim. I said, I get all that. You, you agree yeah. with all that, but all that understanding, all that, if you have to walk out into the parking lot and fight two men right now and you, can choose, and you can bring me with you, or you can bring my wife who's five, three, 120 pounds, who doesn't, who wasn't an army ranger, who doesn't have a decade of combat, right. who would you pick? You know? Oh, shocking you wouldn't pick the small woman that doesn't have any training. Like we're not all equal. And that's not, I'm not saying that disparagingly. Human beings are very different. We're different. The sexes are different. Like even the races, like we have difference between our races. And it's like, I'm not saying that that's a problem. There are certain races that have a better, uh, that, like, on a on a fucking biological level, they process oxygen better. Like the people from Nepal their bodies process oxygen at a more efficient rate than most other human beings in the world. And it's because of generation after generation of living Being high born altitude. in that area. It's we not are difficult. not all equal and that's okay. Like, in, in fact, it's more dangerous to pretend that we all, we are all equal. Like the fucking military is oh, yeah. like, when you join the military, if, if you can't do this, you're out. If your knees don't bend that way, you're out. If your feet are shaped this way, you're out. If you're too short, you're out. Like there's a bunch of fucking standards in the military that if you don't meet it, you're out, right? Not anymore. Like you, oh, well, that's what I'm saying. Like now all of a sudden yeah. that we're all equal, it's like, nope, everybody's the same. Like, are you going to have dudes that are paralyzed from the neck down, wheeling their wheelchair through the streets of Fallujah? Like- <laughs> Nothing everybody ever. has their story and because of your story everybody has their different piece of the pie that they're best suited for right and and it's not we're not all the same and, and it, it frustrates me that we've we've arrived at a place where we want to pretend that everybody is all the same you know it's 
it's this progression of, of technology too that's fascinating and the integration within humanity and how we're how we're developing it and and um, utilizing it. I mean, it's one thing to say that you know um, a man and woman are not the same, it, like for physical fitness purposes. But when you start combining and allowing, like for example, you're in combat sports, you understand what it feels like to have somebody punch you in the fucking face. It's not ideal. I don't personally enjoy getting punched in the face from like a 200 pound man. I'd probably prefer it from like a hundred pound woman like myself, because it's more proportionate to my body. That being said, that's not reality in life. But when you start saying things like anybody can do anything, I listen, I was told that as a kid and that's why I am where I am. So you know, I got the shit kicked out of me. I joined the military in an all-male unit. I decided to just put myself through extra bullshit because I was told I could do anything. And I had that aspect of like, fine, you fuck, I'll do everything then. And now whether or not that was the most brilliant decision on my part or the military and how we do things, as long as I met the standard, it was fine. But there was one standard for me. I had to meet that standard. I had to be able to do that job. If I couldn't do that job, you're just not welcome. But when you start doing things like, saying somebody who's been um, biologically a male for 40 years and then he starts beating on decides he wants to transition to a woman which go ahead I don't have a problem with that if you want to do that trust me being a woman has got complications I don't want to deal with so the fact that you want to join that <laughs> so hey welcome. have fun with that come join let's talk about nails we'll have the conversation I got no fucking issue with anybody in this world I really do not whatever your choice your choice but then when you choose to go in and beat the fuck out of a woman a biological woman in a combat sport. That's when I start getting annoyed because I've been in those things. I know what it's like to get hit in the fucking face. I know what a male's strength is when he grabs the back of me and lifts me up over a wall versus one of my girlfriends who was also in the military grabs the back of me and tries to lift me over the wall full kit. It's not going to be the same like, huh, there I go. Not give me a second. Oh, just give me a second. Like it's going to be different. It'll get done, but, but it's not the same. But how do we arrive at a place where like, when a person like Joe Rogan says Fallon Fox shouldn't be beating the fuck out of women in a cage, he is now the bad guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, because those people have never been punched in the fucking face. They don't understand. Exactly, it's, it's funny you say that because that's exactly what I've said on my show when this has come up. I'm like, if, if you think that everybody's the fucking same, come to my academy and I'll partner you up with somebody that you are not the same as. And you get to, <laughs> you will get to feel what that's like to be victimized because i know that i'm i'm a 200 pound man and i'm pretty tough right but i also know there are men out there like kane velasquez that would take my soul from me in 30 <laughs> seconds you know what i mean like i know again we're not all equal i know those lights men are out. out there yeah but the thing is is like you have once i mean i have a i'm a black belt i've taken mma fights like i've trained for two decades in this stuff and i realize how high the stakes can be. And then you got people that are sitting on the sidelines saying, no, let, let her fight because now that she got it, now that she transitioned, she's a female. And it's like, how fucked up of a person do you have to be to want to get a sex change? Which again, I'm like you go cut your dick off. I don't care about your dick. You do you bro. (laughs) Cut your dick off and throw in the garbage. I don't care. But just because you cut your dick off, you don't get to fight my wife now. You know what I mean? Like I'll fucking yeah. kill you still. Yeah. It's like it's, it's not going to work out in your favor. It's like me trying to transition to be a guy and then go, I'm going to go fight in like the flyweight and I'm going to, I'm going to get, get hey, handled. Get fight 
go fight Demetrius Johnson and then let me know how that works out for you. I wouldn't even want to fight Rose. Like she's my weight class. And I'm like, fuck <laughs> yeah. that. She's literally like, I think she's like maybe three inches taller than me. And I think if I were to fight like properly, because my weight now is about 103 to 108. So I'm just right below her. But like even the idea of stepping into a ring with her, she will fucking destroy most men. Like, I don't want to play that game. I'm not here for it. And the idea that like that is everyone would be okay with me just being like, I'm going to step in to this ring. And they'd be like, it's all right. You've chose that life. Like you're good with that. There's like a safety aspect to that. That concerns me because you know, I'm going to do brain damage. That's why it was awesome when Dana White's like, we'll never have that shit in the UFC. You know, somebody will get killed. Yeah. Somebody will get killed. And it's, it's cool that everybody respects each other's rights and we're all equal until somebody dies of a fucking brain hemorrhage. You know? I mean, it's fine though, because we let actors shoot people. Fine. <laughs> We're fine yeah. with all of these things. The world is a great place. Don't you get it? I mean, you know, it is funny, great. Like, and inevitably when you're podcasting, you talk about all the shit that fires you up. And there's a lot of fucked up things going on in our countries right now. But the most freeing thing for me is like getting away from law enforcement, getting away from like working for the government in any capacity, starting my own business that's that's built on a foundation of something I'm passionate about, teaching right. people jujitsu. And it's been super rewarding for me to be able to, through all the bullshit, continue to give to my community, teach them jujitsu. Our kids program is huge. Our adults program is huge. That's a lot of people's outlet to be able to decompress and reset at the end of the workday. And it's like, there's a lot of good in the world and you have to focus on the good and you have to build your future around that. And over the last 20 months is like, I navigate the bullshit, but at the same time, I keep focused on what brings me joy, what brings my family happiness. And we've been able to create a life that's been pretty far removed from all the nonsense. Like our gym has 350 members. We don't have any restrictions or mandates so every night i'm surrounded by groups of people with the right kind of energy and you just have to know that you can do that too like if you're if you're if you're in a position in life right now where everything sucks and you're locked down again it's like just remember all that is a choice and yeah i know you're being controlled by fear and they're telling you you can't do this and you can't go here or you can't eat there but if you just go do it anyways if enough people just go do it anyways Mm-hmm. we're going to be done with this stuff and that's been my message from the beginning i mean that's what i got fired for telling cops don't do this stuff this isn't what cops do stop it right and uh it, it it's interesting as frustrating as it is i also think it's a pretty incredible time to be alive because watching how all this unfolds it's a pretty important phase of human existence and, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to be powerful to be able to move into the next phase of humanity, whatever that is. And uh, I look at it like this. Everything that you do in your life to generate health, happiness, capability, investing in yourself, investing in your friends, investing in your family. If the world goes to shit, you're going to need those things, right? But mm-hmm. if we're able to vote out the shitheads, and get better people in places of power and kind of turn this thing around slowly. But you did invest in your health and your happiness and your capabilities over the last two, three, four years. You're not out anything. 
You mm-hmm. win either way this country goes or this world rather, you win either way by investing in yourself. And that's what should motivate people to do it. Like understand the government's not gonna come and save you, figure out a way to be a self-sustaining capable human being. And now it doesn't matter what happens because you're good mm-hmm. either way. And uh, the, the last thing I'll say on this because I'm going on a fucking rant here, but I even okay. tell my children, I tell my children, I say, if we have to go live in the woods, in the mountains, it's going to be hard. We're not going to have the kind of fucking food that we usually have. We're not Mm going to be warm. It's going to be a very difficult experience, but know that our family will be closer. Your relationships with people will never be stronger. And it's going to make you a much tougher and more capable human being. And you're going to be a better person because of it. If you know that to be true and you believe it, it puts you in the headspace of like, bring it on. What do you, what do you got? You know, because everybody wants to just sit down and be comfortable, me included. It's just part of the human condition. But if you put yourself in the headspace where you acknowledge that very difficult times will actually make you a better person, then you're not afraid of them. Well, that's it. There's fear can't win. And I think over time, like you said, it's about hopefully people, you know, kind of seeing the light a little bit and realizing that, you know, the governments work for us. We don't work for them. And they've lost touch with that. And if we can get them to realize that, and in the meantime, make yourself stronger, make yourself healthier, adapt. There's so many amazing tools now that you can be using to check biomarkers, to see how food affects you, to understand your sleep habits, to understand your physical fitness, to understand how to sustain your own family. People tease me and make fun of me or for lack, family even says, why do you need to go hunt? I'm going to hunt for the first time. Like, why? What do you need to go? Go to the grocery store. Well, here they're already limiting you to one package of meat per family. So, like, what get the, the fuck. fuck dude? Oh, yeah. Like, so get out of here. I'm going, I'm gonna go tag a moose and then I'm gonna fill up a charity's freezer and I'm gonna fill up ours for years because that is the right thing to do. And it's not about harming something, it's about understanding that. They're already starting to limit things. So why, why wait until it's too late? Why not just be willing to support your family and support yourself? I don't understand. So my hope is that people will kind of start to see and listen that this isn't about hate other sides because that's never been a message I spew. I don't believe it is one that you either. And it's always been about just get healthy fucking move your body. Understand that the shit you're doing is not going to be conducive down the road. If you want to be sick, you're going to be sick. If you want to be well, you have the tools and we will give you the tools to be well, but it's a choice. And I can't fucking make you do anything. I can yell at you until you get the point. And eventually everyone just caves. You did too, Greg. It's fine. My point <laughs> is it, they will cave and they'll be better for it. But you have to be willing and you have to just take a second and step back and go, okay, maybe is everything I've been shoving in my face, everything I've been listening to on the news, is it maybe just skewing my opinion and my thought just for a second, just take a second of your day and go, hold on, maybe all that scrolling on Instagram in my bubble, maybe I just don't feel that great. Take inventory on your thoughts, take inventory on how your body feels when you put bullshit in it fucking journal it down. I don't care, but put it in your face because you can't continue. People can't continue. Society can't go on like this. Like this is not going to stay this way. This is going to rock a boat. It's not Not sustainable, sustainable, not even a little bit. And the fact that people think that this 
you know, oh, well, it'll just bop us. It'll burn itself. It just won't. It's something cosmically, cosmically, oh, oh my God, today is a rough day. Something horrific will happen or has to happen in order for people to be shook. And I would prefer it not be the fall of the United States or the Canadian government because we've been bringing the Chinese military into Canada now for over a year. We have them training on Salt Spring Island. We have them in Ottawa at our capital. We've had these conversations. They've been training here. Don't tell me and don't even go there and say I'm fucking racist for saying that. It's a communist country. Suck it. It's true. The reality is we've had a communistic military here training with our people, learning our ways. There's just bigger plans and we just need to be more thoughtful about the choices we make. And I'm hopeful that we will be. And it starts with the small things. Like you said, it starts with training. It starts with understanding your body, your family, your situational awareness, what would happen if something did happen. It's not about becoming a weird fucking psychologically damaged prepper that spends all your money on like underground housing that can just be flooded with a hose. Like it's not about that. It's about just being smart for a second and maybe just having enough water in the house for three days if there's a flood. It's just about the small steps and taking the initiative to just look after your family. I rant too. No, I like it. That's why you're a podcaster, right? (laughs) But no, people need to be aware that the world that you know right now can be taken from you and it can change dramatically. And it's like, I feel like Americans are the worst at thinking like, oh, it'll never happen to me. Half of the world or more than half of the world is living in turmoil as we speak. Mm -hmm. They're starving to death. They're living in war-torn shitholes to go get water. They have to fucking carry a bucket on their head for five miles and dip it into the Nile River and hope they don't get eaten by a crocodile. Like a lot of people are living in fucking hardship this second. And if you think that you are immune to experiencing hardship as a human being, it's time to pull your head out of your ass. Now, like I already said earlier, does it turn around? Maybe. And maybe I'll be wrong about all this. But to think that it's impossible that you as an individual human being may endure some extreme hardship over the next decade, you are not being honest with yourself. No, you're not. I, I spoke with Holly McKay about this yesterday. We were talking about her book that she's got that just came out, The Only Cry for a Living. And she had um, she had a story in it and it was about um, one of the aid camps. She's like, they, she's just talking about how these people, they just live there for years and years. Like things happen. People get displaced. This Just because you were born in the Western part of the world doesn't mean that you can't be touched. Uh-huh. Well, dude, look, just- at, look at Hurricane Katrina. I use that as a perfect uh, example because uh, one of my best friends was a police officer down there in New Orleans during that. And it went from a a normal functioning society to basically Mogadishu in 24 hours. And so you are not exempt from hardship. Different political things can cause it. Different environmental factors can cause it. Uh, there's a million reasons why the life that you know right now may be altered, but just know you're not, you're not adverse to it, it or you're not immune to it. And it very well may happen to you. And to tell you the truth, I fucking hope it does at this point, because I think our society needs a wake up and needs to experience hardship. And it's like, oh, my 350 pound ass that just sits in on the couch and watches television all day. Now that's not going to serve me when the power grids down and we have no food 
Well, maybe it may, right. maybe it will serve you if you have no maybe food. Maybe it will. Because you can fast for two years straight. But you know what I'm fine. saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, they that'll be how this all plays out and be like, hey, all these motherfuckers that were getting fucking shredded and lean and training all the time, they're the first to starve to death. And all the I mean, obese Americans are the only ones to make it to the next yeah. generation and, and, and sustain the human race. <laughs> and then and then Mao will come in and take over, right? When everyone's weak. <laughs> Plot twist. Plot twist. Bam, everyone saw that coming. But that's my point is I think the, you know, I think it's good to test yourself. And there's plenty of ways that you can do that and plenty of ways that you can increase your body's ability to handle stress. And that's through, you know, anaerobic and aerobic workouts, really aggressive, beating yourself senseless. And it doesn't have to be necessarily a martial art. If people are like, I don't want to be roll around with sweaty dudes. And then I'd be like, well, be more like Andy Stump and roll around with sweaty dudes. He enjoys it. The point is, is that there are things you can do. I'm a cyclist. I'm a dickhead spandex wearing cyclist, but I do it in the velodrome as well because I know I can beat the hell out of myself there and I have somewhere to stop and I'll be all right, but I'm testing and I'm pushing and I'm testing and I'm pushing because my body has gotten fucking soft. I did 10 years since the military and now I'm like, you need to beat the shit out of yourself a little bit more. So much so that when your husband turns and looks at you and goes, you were so much harder when I met you. Like, what happened to you? Like, I got soft. I need to get it together. This is embarrassing for everyone involved. No, we, all have, we all have an ebb and flow, though. And that's exactly. part of life. And yeah. uh, I mean, like I said earlier, I think the best version of myself is still in front of me. And maybe I'm delusional, but I just kind of reinvented myself, too, physically over the last four months because... I looked at myself and I realized, hey, you kind of, you, you let yourself slip for a little while. Right. And that's what I'm saying. That's a natural ebb and flow, right? But you have to be willing to look at yourself, be honest and be like, okay, it's fucking time to change. Right. And like a lot of times you have to be critical of yourself because a lot of people in your circle sometimes won't be critical of you. Yes, so, people. Yeah. Like, uh, and my mom is like, you look great. What are you talking about? You're a 40 year old man. You don't need to have a six pack anymore. That's not ridiculous. The same. Like, well, maybe I don't need to have one, but not having one is an indication of getting fatter. So and <laughs> yeah. And so I could not have one and I could say, that's okay. I'm 40. I, I'm not 25 anymore. But, or I could also say, you know what, that is an indication that I'm not eating as clean as I need to. And I need to change up my dietary habits. I need to maybe train this a little more, train that a little less. Like, because this is what I always say. Sure, you lost your six pack and that's fine, right? Maybe that happens with 10 pounds. But if you allow that to happen the next year and the next year and the next year, now you're 40 pounds overweight. Now is it time to turn it around and say, whoa, 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 we got a problem now. No, it's the first indication that you are becoming of a, a, a diminished version of yourself, use that opportunity to turn it around, grab the fucking steering wheel and change the trajectory of the path you're on right now. And, you know, you've seen those, like, if you change your trajectory just a little bit right now in mm -hmm. six months, it's going to be a substantial difference. Right. And so that's why I'm always like, like, there's a rule, uh, my best friend, Brian Sheely, who I, I climb mountain with, he's a mountaineer. He's very good, very good in the mountains. He's like, one of the rules on the mountains is if you decide something should happen, you need to do it right now. 
right now because everything is arduous in the mountains getting a drink of water like dropping your pack and opening it up and when it's a fucking blizzard out or putting a tent up like a lot of things that if you did it in your front yard it wouldn't even begin to be a difficult task but you do it at fourteen thousand feet now it kicks the shit out of you and so that's one of his rules now it's like if i'm if i'm hungry if i feel like man i should probably eat something but i don't want to right now you're what you're doing is you are setting yourself up for failure because it only allows whatever the problem is if you're cold you need to put another layer on right now if you're thirsty you need to drink water right now if you're hungry you need to eat right now because if you don't that problem is only going to become exponentially worse if you wait mm-hmm. 15 30 minutes an hour and it's the same thing in life if you look at yourself and you say you know what this needs to be fixed right now don't wait for january 1st right now go to the fucking gym then go to the grocery store and buy a bunch of healthy foods and stock your fridge with them and change the second that you take note like you said it earlier inventory take an inventory of how you feel an inventory of how you look and if you need to make adjustments and everybody knows now everybody knows what looks good what looks bad what is healthy what is unhealthy and if you are starting to find yourself in the realm of unhealthy change it right fucking now yeah, it doesn't need to be harder than that. And it, it doesn't need to be more difficult than that either, I believe. I always I always find it fascinating when people are like, yeah, I gained 30 pounds during COVID. I'm like, when I fluctuate three pounds either direction, my clothes fit differently, everything changes. Yes, keep in mind, I'm a tiny human. We've just we've all figured that out. But it still affects, it's still my body. The idea that like 20 or 30 pounds. And I just kind of let that fly. Just oh, it's forget even what I look like, but just how I would feel. My God, yeah. when I I gained like forty two pounds when I was pregnant, I thought my knees were gonna blow out. Oh, <laughs> no! Some people, huge. some people, that's just their life. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy to me because I can just remember as I was losing it, right my back pain slowly would go away. Okay, then my knees would get a little better, and I would sleep a little better. Just wouldn't you want? to feel better. And I get it. Listen, if you have never trained a day in your life, it's intimidating to start now. You've never been healthier, given the tools on how to eat, right? Well, guess what? You can start now. You can learn all of these things now. This doesn't have to be, you know, I've got somebody who said to me, like, I'm 75 and I'm starting over. I said, fuck yeah. You yeah, still got tons yeah. of time. What are you, what are you disappointed about? You're 75. There's plenty of things you could be doing. Sorry that you can't maybe go and mountaineer anymore, but you know what you fucking can do. You can probably walk still. You can probably a little light jog India, depending on your health, but there's things that you can do. And maybe putting McDonald's in your face until you die. Isn't the way to do it. <laughs> I just saying. Well, we drove by McDonald's the other day and the line was about 40 cars. And so man. we're just like, man, but there's days though, I'm telling you right now, like I've legit left the velodrome after just beasting myself and be like, kids, cheeseburger, it's going down. Don't even care. Cause I know I just burnt, like beat the shit out of myself. I'm like, if it's going to have the one thing I'm going to eat, it, that's going to be bullshit. Cause that stuff, like when you drive by my, we'll be like, Jack, what do we think of McDonald's? Ew. It's like, that's right. That's right, son. You think ew, we think ew. And we make him judgy about it. We make him yeah, judgy I- about food. Big time. No, I tell my kids, I said, that's not food. That's poison. Yeah. It's, I said, it's junk food. That's why I tell them about everything. It's not food. That's poison. You want a sucker. Okay. You can have a sucker, but that's not food. Okay. There's no nutrients in there. 
That's mm-hmm. just a big crystallized ball of fucking high fructose corn syrup that you're going to lick because it makes your brain feel good, but it's poison. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's going to yeah. rot your teeth. Yeah, exactly. And we, we have this, we have this conversation with our five-year-old on a regular basis and he'll be like, he'll literally look and be like, mommy, maybe, maybe we don't have that. And I'd be like, you're right. Maybe we don't, maybe we do this instead. And then he'll be other times where he'll be like, mommy, I want some French fries. And I'm like, cool, we'll make homemade French fries. We'll take a potato, we'll slice them up. There's your French fries. But you know, there's, there's a, there's an idea that we have to feed like when we were in Hawaii, the only things that were on the kids' menu were four things, and they were the same things everywhere. Macaroni, chicken strips, what, cheeseburger and pizza? <laughs> nailed it, brother. You nailed yeah, it. Shocking. I'm a parent. <laughs> I know. But like that, to me, again, I the idea of like feeding that to him was just, no. that's a hard pass. Hard pass. You have to care a little bit more about your body. And if you care as an adult, your kids will care. And then it just goes down, goes down the chain, just care a little bit and it will get better and better and better. And that's what my hope is for individuals that listen to my rants is that you just need to care a little bit, just try a little bit. I'm not asking for you to change, go out there and change the world. I got plenty of friends that'll do that for us and including me, but I'm not going to tell you that you need to do that. But I am going to tell you that nine Cokes isn't good. I am going to tell you that maybe switch out some water. I am going to tell you that drinking Red Bull as the substitute for all liquids, not ideal. So if you don't like that, I'm sorry, but that is just, that's science, bro. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, jujitsu will make your life better, period. So if you have any reservations about trying jujitsu, take the step go to an academy and try it out because after 20 years of this, I've still yet to meet the person that's like, man, I started jujitsu really regretted that. That was a bad decision. I shouldn't have done that. That person doesn't exist. I do wish though that I I did a non-striking sport uh, instead. Taekwondo happened to be what I was put into and I fell in love and that was it. But the idea, like that's not like super functional on the street. Like it's not super ideal. That's why I got out of MMA fighting is because I started getting headaches all the time. And it's like, yeah. I enjoy fighting, but at the same time, I'm not getting paid to do this. Like I fought on an amateur circuit. I was never a professional fighter. Like right. I get it. If you get, if you get paid and you make a livelihood, you make your livelihood based on fighting. Now you can start to weigh like damaging your body versus your career. Right. right. But when it's just a hobby and I felt like it started damaging my body, I was like, this doesn't make sense. So that's why I moved into a hundred percent grappling focused. And uh, it's an art that is real, that is effective, but everybody can train jujitsu to a certain degree, you know, oh, of course. you can be overweight and out of shape and you can start jujitsu today and you can use jujitsu to be one of the tools that changes the trajectory of your life. I've seen it in my academy over and over. I get hit up all the time on Instagram that people are like, Hey, you recommended jujitsu. So I gave it a try. And you changed my life. And you know who I get letters from is wives. Like, oh, yeah. they're like, hey, you know, my husband was depressed. He was 40 pounds overweight. He got fired. Like, whatever the story is that, that put people into their downward spiral. And it's like, and he, he listened to your show and tried jujitsu. Our marriage is the best it's ever been. He looks like he did when I met him in college. Like, all of these things yeah. that people put a new aspect they put a new like hobby or a new focus into their life and that one little change can have like an umbrella effect over all the other aspects of your life 
And that's why everybody's so, that's why everybody's bought off on jujitsu. I know a lot of people are probably sick of hearing it because like the big influencers like Rogan and Jocko and Andy Stump, like they're all jujitsu, 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 but it's because it's real, you know? Right. And like you, yeah. and, and, and a little caveat on Andy is he's been training three years and his jujitsu is fucking good. Is it? He's good. He's I give him good. shit. I give him so much shit. When I went on his, I did cleared hot he with beat, him. We were, he beat you in a fight. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> he beat me in a fight. Yeah, I'm sure he would. But we talk about his obsession with sweaty dudes and rolling around with them because he, we, we got into this whole tangent about him being a gay porn star uh, once he started jujitsu <laughs> and it was going to be a whole thing. And then memes started showing up. It got troubling. The, the idea that it can't be useful or that it's, it's not a game changer is it's, it's undeniable because I understand martial arts and discipline and the value that brings to the rest of your life. Just that aspect, that community-based aspect, all of those things jujitsu has and holds really dearly. And it, and it makes you, jujitsu makes you a better person. I think martial arts make you better people because they test you constantly. They humble you mm -hmm. constantly. There's nothing like being kicked in the face by a grown man. There's nothing like being choked out by another guy that's way smaller than you. Then you're like, oh, oh no, like it happens. And I really wish Andy wasn't as good as you said, because now he's good. I'm going to oh, really. Yeah, he's good. I, uh, we haven't trained much together, but I've, I've been up to a uh, straight blast Kalispell a couple times and rolled with him and, and his team. And uh, yeah, like, I mean, I've been, I'm a black belt. I've been doing jujitsu for almost 20 years now. And I have some like go-to moves and I was setting him up and I was catching his arm and I was like, okay, here it goes. And then he was defending properly and I couldn't submit him. And I was like, what the fuck is this dude? Cause we're both 205 pounds. We're like the same yeah. size human being, you know? And, uh, oh, but he's a seal though. I'm a ranger though. Get the fuck out of here with that seal shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys and yourself, oh, fuck. I love it. I get you guys go. I get you. It's the best. It's my favorite. My ranger friends. Then I talk to the seals. Like, Don't fucking talk to me about that ranger. Don't fucking talk to me about that seal. I'm like, you guys are the worst. <laughs> so uh, let me, let me just say this then before we wrap this up. Like uh, I, oh, the, the rangers in the steel community are always like at each other's throats, but it's on a superficial level. It's on a fun level. Yeah. Like I worked with tons of those guys overseas, especially when I got into to paramilitary contracts and every seal I worked with overseas, I got nothing but great things to say about them. In fact, it was a seal that changed my trajectory of my life and got me into jujitsu because I was deployed and uh, he goes, Hey, you want to train? I was like, sure what do you do he's like oh, i'm a purple belt jiu-jitsu and a muay thai fighter and so we went into this fucking mat room and he just beat the fuck out of me i couldn't do anything and i prided myself on being a tough man and i was like yeah you're not tough you're a fucking pussy and so like that set me on a whole new path right but no the whole reason i say that is it's like the special operations community we can all bust each other's balls but nobody else can talk shit about us because we're no. we're all in it together, right? No, and I love that. And that's what makes you guys so unique and special. And people are always like, why do you guys, why do you talk to a lot of uh, vets and like special ops guys? This is because there's a different, unique perspective. There's a there's an innate respect, whether they they talk shit or not. And there's an understanding there. And that's something I can respect and, you know, admire. So, and I think that my listeners can as well. And so I'm, 
I'm really glad that I got the chance to finally sit down with you and chat with you. I killed a fly at the same time. Wow, that was amazing. Look at me go. Multitasking. I know, right? Um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm glad because I think, you know, for as ranty as we can get, there's still serious facts in there. There's still things that we should be discussing and it may be taboo for some to listen to, but then, you know, just turn it off and find a new show, right? It's about yep. finding those individuals that just want to better their lives, better themselves and those around them. And, and, and they're conscious of the effort and the energy they put in. So I'm glad and grateful that you're in the circle of people that I, I choose to have conversations with. I'm glad that you were willing Likewise. to come and sit with us. Thanks, dude. Um, but tell everyone where they can find you, where they can listen to your podcast, where they can come join your jujitsu if they're in the Seattle area. Please tell us everything. So my podcast is called The Endless Endeavor, and it's just a reflection of how life is exactly that. Like we are going to continue to face things. We're going to continue to have new challenges and new hobbies and new careers and new people. And you always have to be looking forward. And that's, I think that podcast name kind of summed that up perfectly. And that's available on every podcast form. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, we have a YouTube, but it goes back and forth between being uh youtube jail and then i get out of youtube jail and then i'm back in <laughs> yeah. youtube jail so if you look on youtube we may or may not be there but everywhere else you can find us and then my jiu-jitsu academy is in lake stevens washington we're about 45 minute drive north of from downtown seattle so if you want to come and train with us i have people that are like hey i like your show and i was in washington so i came and trained for a night or if you're local and you're looking for a good solid team of guys and gals that'll change your life, come and start training jujitsu. Um, I tell people, give it 90 days, give something a 90 day commitment. And I guarantee you after those three months, you won't want to stop. And then lastly, uh, the only social media platform that I really use is my Instagram and it's at GR Anderson 33 and that's it. And, uh, I try and interact with people as best I can there. But as you know, there's an ebb and flow to Instagram where sometimes you get 200 DMS and it's like, fuck man. I'm not going to be able to respond to everybody. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, that's where I try and do my most interacting, interacting with people. And uh, yeah, it, podcasting has been a fun journey. I enjoy being able to sit down and just have long form conversation with people like we did this morning. And I always say like, if, if my episode gets one download that month and I enjoyed my time with that person, then it was time well spent. Right. And I think people, I think our society is missing long-term conversation. Like the human condition used to be, we were tribal and we would share ideas and perspectives and we were around people and we knew people intimately. And now I'm sitting in my house and 20 feet that way is my neighbor's bedroom. And I don't even know that person, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's a bizarre reality that we've created. And so that's why I think podcasting is so powerful and I'm honored. And Andy Stump is also the one that got me into this. He invited oh, me on clear awesome. and then I got a lot of positive feedback and I said, Hey, I'm going to do that too. And now we're doing very well. And so, yeah, come check out a couple episodes. I go back and forth on solo rants and then also guest episodes like we're doing here. So it's, it's a fun Fantastic. podcast. So I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, it's good. I've listened. Uh, your group ones are funny. I like those. <laughs> the, the rants are good. They're, I, I like a good rant, man. I'm here for them. So we're glad to have you on. You're welcome back anytime. And um, awesome. I, I guess, yeah, I guess that's it. You stick with me, but everyone else, we'll see you all next week.